This is going to be a super low key evening since half of our party didn't show up. So. <laughs> That's okay. I, most of the work tonight is Trevor's job. So, I got you know, this. there's that. Um, tonight, Trevor's going to make a new character. We're going to talk Ooh. about the past little mini arc of Wing Badger Tavern, the tumultuous events of the Laredith arc, if you will. We're going to talk about the next mini arc of the Wing Badger Tavern. And uh, we're going to maybe do a practice run of some new mechanics. I'm not sure we're going to actually do that with only two of you, but maybe we'll try it. It might still be super fun. Um, it might even be a better way to play test it with just two of you. So. Um, that might work great. It looks like all three Trevor's headphones broke at the same time, so I'm going to give them a second to just arrange things I mean, here. I am joined tonight by a full party of players. We've got um, Matt, who's not Matt, who's Cleo. Uh, say hi. Hi. Uh, and we've got Trevor. Say hi. Hi. And then we have Trevor. Hello. And then there's also Trevor. It's me. And that's our party tonight. So for those of you <laughs> listening on Spotify or whatever, I because two of our players are missing, I just added Trevor's screen capture to the other two spots in our overlay. So it's just all Trevor's and a Cleo. Uh, so that's fun. Um, and a Josh. Yeah, I'm here too. You're right. I'm Josh, Wing Badger Game Master. That's me doing the things. Um, let's start by talking about the past few sessions, uh, the, the dark times, if you will. The um, what I guess you could call the Laredith arc. Since the last tavern talk, we've had the one where the rod fights back, the one where Zoth hangs in the balance, and the one where the founders part ways. So really, the whole thing has revolved around Zothkug. Um, Interesting. And not in necessarily the best of ways. How are we feeling? Talk about. Okay. Talk to me about your emotions. <laughs> can, I, can I just put this out here? All right. First of all, I'm offended. All right. <laughs> I'm feeling offended because. You started the stream. Not only did you go live, that's normal, but you started the stream before eight o'clock. And I like having my pre stream wrong doctor time. (laughs) Have you looked at the time? It's eight o'clock. Well, it's eight o'clock now, but (laughs) tradition. Uh, Tradition <laughs> demands that we stop. Hang on, we're gonna stop the stream and waste about ten minutes of your time, no, and then no, we'll no. come back to how we're feeling it's about the past. It's too late. The magic's gone. Oh, okay. Well, I sorry. will instead tell you about my feelings about. I ruin everything. The I know. last three <laughs> sessions. Nothing hurt quite as much as this moment. Well, I, I will say. Minutes. What what hurt more was uh the the turn that this arc had turned into. It was supposed to be a whoa. We we show up. Uh, we got Laredith in tow, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out what's going on in Gaim. You know, it's it's a bit of a welcome back party to like you know we we left Gaim in charge of yeah 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 yep 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 that's all folks. Uh, we left yeah in charge of our Gaim headquarters, and we kind of just let it go. I think we only saw a brief touch of that with our one offs. Did we ever air those yet? Um, the the adventurous squad we we sent the like the the, the side delve thing yeah. No, there the wasn't a ran. there wasn't a gap in our upload schedule for it. So I was thinking of doing it between seasons, maybe. Oh, okay. So yeah, you guys on Spotify haven't seen that, but if you're if you were watching it live, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. The but Great Bean Heist. The Great Bean Heist. That's the only time we've really touched base. So this is our first time touching base since that, right? And so that's supposed to be all it was. And next thing you know, tragedy strikes right after a tragedy, and I'm not okay with it. Fox is not okay with it. I'm upset. I I have to 
I have to agree that my expectations did not match the reality of the the time you've spent in Gaim so far. I was really expecting it to be like a little bit more lighthearted. Like we just had a, a sort of victory from the jaws of defeat in terms of rescuing Laredith. Um, we, I was picturing it as like, there's this victorious return to base. We'll get to play with some downtime activities. You know, we've rescued an avatar and gotten her to the safe place. So like, maybe that means that we'll get some cool benefits out of that. Or like, maybe she'll help us invent something or I don't know, some kind of payoff. And instead we get there and like almost immediately it, it all goes wrong. Did you say downtime because we are down a party member? Is that is that <laughs> where you were going yeah. with it? I'm upset. That's what that triggered. Means. Instantly triggered. <laughs> oh. But no, I, I we, we you've heard it all from us, but I, I gotta I gotta understand how how it is from the man, the myth, the legend himself. How's being dead? How, how how's that? <laughs> how's that going for uh, you? which Trevor are you talking to? All of Top, them. middle, or bottom. Oh, sorry. This is referring to the, the bottom Trevor. Oh, okay. I, I know it's a little confusing, but I I figured, you know, bottom Trevor would know the most. Yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly was very unexpected. Um, the dice did not help me at all. And in fact, the, the uh, main contributor to the problem. But yeah, I mean, oh, I feel sad. Yeah, take us take us into your headspace, man. I like that was a real twist for all of us to go from this is a normal combat to Zoth is dead. Take us into your head. What what was it like? Break it down. I wanna I wanna like a a minute by minute, a second by second, a roll by roll mental breakdown of what was happening inside your head. Okay, so we're fighting. I'm fighting the scout. And we trade like misses where like I fire a spell and miss. He fires a spell and misses. And we do that like two or three times. Then I get a natural one on the die. And then the, the wand starts exerting its its power over me as part of the mechanic we determined. Um, it's like trying to wrest control back. Oof. Um, so that does some damage to me. And then I continue pursuing the bot. And I throw another attack and I roll. Didn't I roll like two net three, two or three natural ones? You, you did at least one more, not one that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah. So that, that felt really bad again. And then the wand exerted more control and force. Um, and did some damage. It didn't kill me though, which would have been completely fatal and not even given us the chance to try and res me. And then the scout, you know, did the the finishing blow after the two uh, psychic attacks from the one, the rod. Did he just like give you like a little kick? Like what? What, what was the finishing basically. blow? I mean, it really was basically just a kick because you were grappling the bot, and then it escaped by kicking you off it, and Zoth like fell over unconscious. Yeah. Um, chat makes a good point here, which is they said, what scares me is that the cred was beaten out of everyone by the scouts. I can't imagine what else the baddies have up their sleeves if this was just the scouts. Yeah. What are That's what are your that, thoughts? Uh, not reassuring, definitely, that we couldn't we could barely handle the scouts. Okay. I can't help but feel like so this this is the 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 gamer in me and and the narrative master inside of me. The genius. Un, that hasn't been unleashed yet. Maybe one day. The five D chess head, if yeah. you will. Um, <laughs> but no, like just narratively, right? 
you're you're in the beginning, right? Um, and you see this a lot. Uh, this is a really weird place to take this conversation, but okay, you see this a lot in strategy. I'll try and play games, some music because right? it's weird and fun. <laughs> but like in a strategy game, right? You're like, oh, you're the underdogs, um, or perhaps it's the beginning. We don't know. Like obviously, the whole game's about this you know conflict but the conflict hasn't started yet we don't know and so you play the tutorial levels and it pits you up against the scouts but then the scouts throw you for a loop and then they they kick your butt and you got to work your way in and and figure out what to do and you you go from fighting against the little scouts to to upgrading from there to there so i feel like we're at the beginning right where we were just like okay we went in and we defeated uh we we got lairdith but just barely right but we didn't actually attack like a combat place this was an industrial plant right we just did a raid essentially to get lairdith now we're dealing with the real military that the baddies might have and this was their scouts and they kicked our butt right well lairdith was oh getting lairdith we had like a mini boss fight true but that was like that was upper management happened to be there okay <laughs> that's <laughs> i also think i also think with the scouts you know we were all 1v1 with the scout whereas like we tend to operate better in like a group i think it's worth noting that your two combat specialists did both win their 1v1s i mean that's i guess true. alan tied if you want to yeah. be fair with it alan fell unconscious at the end of his fight but he did it during the killing blow so it like turned out to kind of be a tie well that's a little if scary spells hit it it would have gone better I, I'm just saying, it's scary that our tank tied with a scout. All right. Yeah. Now, that is you, pretty was rough. He, was he full health when he did that fight? I don't remember. I think he must have been because you guys hadn't really done anything dangerous up to that point, unless maybe there was some fighting with the the bullies or the the gang, the, the red vipers. But I don't think that it was like a like that. The fight where the whole group was there wasn't much of a fight. It was like we snuck most of the way through. We got hit once or twice by a club, and then we left. Um, it wasn't like a you know well, a war of attrition like of hit group. points type thing. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying I, in a, in a normal game sense and even like story sense, this would be like with the wake up call, and then we go on like this the the journey of building up to improve and improve. Like that will become the journey. That it's he, the the time where like Rocky goes into the Tibetan yeah. mountains and trains with the like <laughs> elder monk dude or whatever. Yeah. Now instead of that being Batman a montage, goes to Ghul. you know, instead of it being a montage, this is our journey. This is the film. The film isn't like yeah. montage, come back, kick butt. The film right. is us in the montage moment. Yeah, like we're yeah. basically playing the montage. Yeah. Instead of the, it being a montage. Probably the lowest point of the party's journey. I, I agree. This is this is a big low. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, Fox is not in it anymore. Fox is going back for Jeb not because he sees him vital for the campaign or you know the fight the big bad, but because Fox wants to do this for Fox. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Fail. Fox has to go on his own journey. Could you? To, could to... we? Could we argue that that means Fox is the most in it he's ever been? Like yeah. if doing the quest is now like this is just what Fox wants for Fox, like that's like a hundred percent buy-in, right? Oh, for for this part of it, yes. I'm just saying, I'm worried. Like fail or success, I I don't know what's gonna happen after. Oh, you think Fox is gonna like hang it up after this? I I think it's in it, it's in the, the multiple toll. branching timelines. It's it's a strong mm. contender. It all Fox depends. Is- 
Fox has definitely felt the most trauma in, yeah. in my, like I think Owlin had a low point with the Macar thing, but the whole time he had his friends there to support him and he kind of came out on the other side with like, I've made a positive change in my life. And I feel like Fox has had like two or three big traumas in a row without any opportunity to like catch his breath or process his trauma and his friends who are supposed to be a support network keep leaving. Like Jeb got not leaving him, but like, you know, right. Jeb got fell behind with the Aboleths and then he was like, well, at least I've got Zoth who like, you know, he doesn't always have the best relationship with, but he's known him the longest. And then Zoth dies like minutes later, like narratively speaking, like minute, yeah. if, it, if it was a movie instead of a D and D campaign, Zoth made it like three extra minutes of screen time and then died. <laughs> and, and Fox is like, well, I don't, so you're right. Like I, there's what the heck is going to happen with Fox. I think maybe there's a possibility that like Fox and Owlin find some kind of bond in the middle of their loss. Like, I mean, there's also Fox's team. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that. I, I, I think right now, critically, since Fox will not be with Alan, I think it's going to depend on how he goes with his team, right? Um, what if he builds up a relationship with his team and can't abandon them kind of thing, right? Yeah. Or is he going to do what I'm most likely thinking he's going to stick with at first, which is like, these people are just here to help me finish my objective. Right. Yeah. Right. Like they're, business. they're hired mercs basically. Mm hmm. Uh, chat says that fox has to make sure zoth's sacrifice counts for something though and like make sure he makes it to the afterlife and then chat, chat says you should go talk to the mer lady well okay so i was actually gonna bring that up mer lady right now willow willow right is i think right now she's still fighting the good fight right where we left off and she saved her butt and I, I got a guarantee that she was safe, right? Um, I, I think part of Fox just wants to, like, she's the one last thing from his life that, you know, he, he might just go back to find her. He might go back to his parents, which I don't think he's fully processed the fact, callback, that he could do that. I don't, I, I don't know if he's fully processed that dream he had. Okay? That's a great point. I, I don't think he's realized after all these times where it's shoved into his face again and again that all these things that are fantasal and like crazy are real, that that dream might have actually been real and a not vision. just like, you know, some sort of analogy or, you know, something. Because he, he's always saw in his head like, that dream was just an analogy. The dream I'm referring to, by the way, was this dream where his parents had been captured and tortured and were, I, I think, rescued by divine powers. And it was all tied to the Broken Rod Company. Um, and perhaps his parents, I believe that's supposed to be a flashback to what happened to his parents before Fox. Um, but either way, like his parents are in danger and he doesn't understand that and he has moved away from that narrative narratively right he's his headspace is not thinking about his parents i guarantee once he gets jeb he, i he's gonna start connecting the dots of like i gotta grab what little bit of my family i have left right although if you go back to hometown you might have to deal with Zoth's parents and give them the bad news i ex exactly but i i I, I think he's not going to run away from that. I think he'd rather make sure that he has the few people in his life that are not going to leave him right now. He's lost a leg. He's lost uh, 
a father figure um and and just sage i I think is how he saw jeb was this like big influence in his life the uncle i wrote he did get a leg as well like he you know he's back to two legs he is back to two legs um I, i i still think you know i i don't know how if he's gonna get past that part yet mentally right um i i think one thing from the the past few sessions that like i just think is worth shouting out i feel like all around the group has done maybe their best role playing of the whole campaign so far in like the past three to five sessions of gameplay i just am like very impressed with everyone's portrayal of their characters and like the the way that we can both be serious and lighthearted and and like it it feels like kind of believable like the suspension of disbelief is really strong and i think you guys you both of you did great and so did our other two players um you know rip jake and wash we fired them because we hired trevor two more times but you know if if they were still here carrying the team now yeah we just we feel like we had their best performances we've already gotten out of them so we figured we'd replace them with (laughs) you know because trevor's got like basically trevor's on this huge upward climb you know like you know Mm -hmm. to the moon uh with trevor's role-playing performance so yeah I'm a now a professional voice actor. I just will voice three different characters. That's cool. Yeah, uh, Are they all going to have the same voice? By the way. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, I, my wife just brought me propel. Um, uh, so propel I have you into the future. I have on my agenda here that Wash wanted to fight about a ruling, but Wash isn't here to fight about a ruling. Are there any um, GM rulings that you folks think are controversial and want to fight about or mostly just talk about how they ended up the way they are? He wanted to fight about. No, I have no idea. He didn't tell me. Um, He just was like, hey, I I want to talk about Wash's stance, but I don't know what he's talking about. I, I don't know. I've. When have we had. I was just trying to remember when we had any like rule contestant contests in the past sessions i don't think the past three sessions have actually had any i think it's probably something that wash was like he's the dm i'm just gonna like respect the ruling and go on with the game and it was just like i'd like to discuss that afterwards i don't think it was like a i don't think he's really upset um but he just was like this was a ruling i would have ruled differently and so it was gonna make an interesting discussion and now i i guess it won't um so that's fine rip that uh whatever i did was right all the time revisionist history is great go team yeah go team team trevor's Um, how, how do you guys feel about Gaim now that you've like been there for a while? Like, what do you think of the city? Um, I guess, what do you think of the, the kind of folks you've met there? Any of that? I think the little bit we have been through is really cool. I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of Gaim because we've been to like two places. We've been to our base and we've been to the bottom district to see royalty and we've just been back and forth up and down. So we haven't seen much of it. But the stuff we have seen has been cool. Kind of going along with how we've said the past few sessions have been nothing like what we thought they would be. I even planned it so you guys would show up and there would be like a cool holiday festival going on. So you could like really explore and like meet people. And then you were at the entire festival. It's a seven day festival. You spent 10 days in a temple building something. So like you (laughs) missed the whole festival. (laughs) It's like, well, I can't like interject, like check out the great pretzel stand. Like, you know, like that's not thematically appropriate. It would have been a really, really cool moment if they did succeed with Zoss revival. All right. 
can I can I just say real quick, like, can you imagine the callback when we come back to this place a year or longer and we, we celebrate the anniversary of Zoth's death, but at the same time there's a celebration? Do you know how much of a like an I don't know. My part of my brain's just like thinking of the possibilities of the of the moments conflicting. Um, and my brain's just like, this is story material. I haven't made the story yet, yeah. but it's in there. It's in my head. It's thinking. There's some great story material there. Um, I will say, um, uh, to respond to chat. Yeah, no, that's, that's the interesting thing. I think right now I like how boons are, but yeah, it, it is. I, I bet after, especially if you're a long time watcher, watching boons change over time is a bit of a, it's interesting. I don't know how to put it into words. This um, is a fascinating um, topic to to move into. We're going to talk more about boons. I'm not going to write off that discussion. I just want to widen it a little bit because I've heard from two of our different viewers in the past month, one of them has said that they don't think the story is as fun and interesting to listen to anymore. And the other one says that what we're doing right now is the best material we've ever made. And so overall, like the evolution of Wing Badger Tavern, like how are you feeling about it, about the way the story has changed, the dynamic of the characters, like we've kind of widened the world and met some more contacts versus before it was like we had that really tight, isolated party dynamic. Um, how do you feel about the way boons are different? Because we introduced boons as boons in the season one finale. So really, it's only been season two that's had boons. Before that, it was chat could cast spells, but that didn't make as much sense because of the fact that there's no magic in the world. So when we tried boons and liked it, we kind of stuck there. But like, I don't know. How do you feel about any of that? The the kind of growth and trajectory we're on? Um, I think, I don't know if this is just the product or like the, the side effect of the way that the story is like, like the grand story. But like, we started out much more like, lighthearted comical um upbeat and we sort of devolved into this much like more serious little bit darker i'd say almost but i think that's mainly because we're getting closer to like the end of the story like the end not like the actual end but like we're getting closer to you know figuring everything out and i think just in its nature like the closer we get the more violent the darker it's toned it's gonna be i i i definitely agree with that right it's obviously a, a thing you're gonna notice when you start to touch on a grander scale things are gonna get more serious right I, at our initial scale it was like we're a bunch of kooky guys kind of doing our kooky adventure investigating kooky things <laughs> and the kooky things turned out to be very big and not so kooky <laughs> um and so like it was so far separated from us it wasn't like oh it's like oh this is a thing that could be happening to oh this is real yeah we kind of went in from like whoa we're tangentially like touching some crazy stuff to like we're the only ones doing anything about it <laughs> you know Anyone that I, I, I think from our perspective, right? Obviously, as we reach out now, we're finding out more and more people have already been doing stuff and perhaps just need a, a grander scale of coordination, right? We are the in-between. And I, I think that's what the narrative's taking is we're going to become the glue and we're going to become like we're coordinating these large-scale efforts uh, across nations and and the continent. Um to bring together, you know, individual rebellions and factions and militaries and make them all work together. 
Um, and of course, with that, you're going to get tonal shifts. You can't have your lighthearted, you know, yeah. kooky, ah, let's all go to the bar and we'll have a, oh, oh somebody's going to have a little drink out while we're waiting for the end of the world to happen. And did we have, <laughs> make sure that they got their army supplies? And yeah, yeah. So it it may also have something to do with the fact that you're higher level now, like not to not to become Spider-Man and like with great power comes great responsibility. But like when you're when you're low powered, there's an, an idea that like, OK, well, our plot is a grand world shaking plot and we are level two. Like, what can we do about that? And at yeah. some point you kind of wake up after a long rest and you're like, dang, my character, she's looking pretty long. I might be able to do something about this. And so then it's like, OK, well, now I'm going to dive into like the you know, I'm no longer collecting clues. I'm now ready to like do something about it. And, you know, and I'm going to kind of yeah. dive in and start to I'm going to start doing the fights. And maybe this is sort of like, you know, OK, well, now we're starting to do the fights with the real bad guys instead of the lackeys. And like you have to kind of try your strength and figure out like where does the you know, what is this? Which things are big, scary? Which things can we take? How do we approach it? Um, so maybe there there's some of that in it as well. Um what what about boons? Um, let's talk about that that boon change. So like before we had chat casting spells, now we have chat granting boons, which are positive tweaks on a scene that don't resolve the tension. Um, what what are your opinions? I like the way we do it now. I think having like specific spells is like way too specific for and like it can really mess with the flow of a scene. Um if chat just like is willy dilly about it, I, I, most of the time they're thoughtful, but I think having boons just leaves it open more for creativity and it can fit, fit more broadly into the. I will say I, I it, it does come with a trade off, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I think part of what we try to sell is that chat interactivity, right? And the boons give that, but with layers, right? And we're kind of obscuring that visible interaction by interpreting it either as the DM would interpret it or as the players interpreting it. So instead of being, I affected it, I gave tools to someone else to affect it. Right, it's like indirect. Right, which on one hand helps balance it, right? And make it more believable and less jarring when all of a sudden random spell out of nowhere when a magicless world does something. But on the other hand, it does mean that it, it gives the chat less oomph in their abilities. But I mean, like it's give or take, right? You, you can't have a balanced chat interaction and, and give them ultimate freedom at the same time. Yeah, that's true. And I remember a particular session it was one of the ones where we split the party in the dark site, um, the one with the darklings, where yeah. chat kept casting unknown servant or unseen servant, and they were like really memeing on the group, where it was like someone was trying to light a fire and unknown servant or unseen servant kept like putting it out again or something like that, and it was like that for like six rounds or something. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's definitely I I think making it more vague helps structurally. Right. And a meta narrative helps from a story storytelling perspective. Right. Um, yet again, depending on like what group of of Twitch you're on, what side of Twitch you're on, some people like that is the draw is right. screwing with the people that you're watching. Yeah. People who are 23 and a half years old are really into that. 
Right. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a very specific number, Josh. Well, you know. That we had a specific troll in our chat who kept saying that. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Um, um, when it, uh, okay, Willow's put another comment. That's yeah. a great observation, actually. Yeah. When it was a comedy, the boons were comical, and now that it's more serious, the boons are more serious. And I, I I think that's true. Like the boons have evolved with our narrative. Um, is it? I don't think there's any way for us to to address the like lag between boons and the scene though, right? Like between Twitch and chat. Um, no. So when when um chat, we're gonna talk about Shadow Walker next because that's a great observation and that was that was a big twist. Um, but when when chat casts a boon, it pops up in my activity feed, and I so I see it not quite instantaneously, but like within five or ten seconds of when when chat okay. do it. But if you, the players, are in the middle of doing something, like, I try my best to never interrupt players. So if you're in the middle of something or if we've already determined an outcome and we're waiting for the players to decide the next fork in the road, those are the two times when I'll wait on a on a boon. Like, if we've already resolved a problem and now you're trying to decide what to do next, I don't want to spend the boon and then you decide to do something totally unrelated to it because then chat's like, well, that didn't pay off. So I wait. And the other time is if we're in combat and we're like going through a round of combat or something, if you know, the enemy's turn has already ended, then I might wait until the enemy's next turn to apply a boon or I might, you know, something like that. So there, there is a a little bit of a lag in the story that way, but it's because I'm waiting for the opportunity to insert the boon in a way that doesn't make me no and like we talk about, you know, improv and, and D and D and a lot of that relies on a philosophy called yes. And where everything that's already happened must have happened. And so sometimes a boon is presented after we've just said yes and haven't said and yet. And for me to use that boon to like negate the yes, like the bad guy didn't do that. That becomes a no. And it's like, yes, actually no. And when we're, at least for me, when I'm in theater of the mind and I'm managing multiple details at once, like maybe multiple bad guys or something like that, it's really hard for me to mentally follow a no because I have to like make a U-turn and go back and then figure out what they all want to do next again and then do it. Yeah. So some of that is just a limitation of my own brain power as well. Yeah. Um, so chat does also point out our last boon outed Shadow Walker, which is pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. How are we feeling about Shadow Walker? Wow. I love Shadow Walker. I think it's so funny. I I miss He's the comic relief. I miss Shadow Walker. All right. I'm I'm, I'm going to be honest. I I he may have been a soul-eating, you know, corruption, uh unholy abomination. But he was um, my abomination. But yeah, he was my <laughs> abomination that was solely trying to consume even my own soul when I tried to attach him to my leg. And you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, I am happy that my soul didn't get eaten and that we kind of figured that out. That was earth shattering to me just to figure out that like, oh, yeah, this little kooky. It was, it's another thing of like, oh, kooky. And I, I guess that's why I forgot about it, because I'm like, this is a nice little kooky object that I'm just going to. I like kooky today. Did you figure that out? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Kooky object that I'm like, oh. I like cookies pretty much every day. <laughs> Cookie, not cookie. <laughs> Gosh. No, uh, I thought it was just an object, right? Like that was just a little funny. 
They got this little Shadow Walker, somebody to play off of, something to make Josh have to stop in his footsteps and think about what would Shadow Walker say when I want to mess with Josh? Yeah. And <laughs> little did I know that he had to give some thought to it because, <laughs> you know, Shadow Walker had ambitions and plans. Uh, little to my knowledge <laughs> to kill everything yeah uh, turns out shadow walker appeared in that tower as a role on a complication table <laughs> yeah not as a benefit um <laughs> so i i'm uh happy that he's gone and not so happy he's gone because you know he was pretty awesome but now they look back upon it he was also a little op and maybe that came with a trade-off that i didn't know about and perhaps that was the trade-off was my soul potentially being at risk so that Which, like, for a big sword, is that worth it? That might be worth it. I, I, I was debating it <laughs> at the moment. If it wasn't, if if other people hadn't made my decision for me, I might have kept them. I'm just saying, mm. I might have been like, mm, I'll deal with it later. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah, just like other nations dealing with their economic policy. I, it's kick it down the road. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> the benefits <laughs> are now. <laughs> Sc- <laughs> screw so, problems later. So. Speaking of taking things down the road, segue, huh? Speaking of taking things down the road, let's talk about what's coming next because we've decided to split Uh, the founders. Yeah? Before we move on, I did just think of like a, I don't know if it's a ruling thing, but just like a a topic that was of of hot debate. Sure, let's talk about it. At the start of this arc. The, uh, the, the, The name stealing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, That's a combination of two, well, go ahead. I'll let you talk first. Yeah, um, <laughs> at least to me, like, I think it's a good like it's a fun idea and you hear it whenever anyone like talks about the Fae. But I think like practically and mechanically, like we need sort of that rule set because we don't have any basis for something like this just to go off of. I will just simply add on to that. I think there was some miscommunication and yeah, I I think either way it could have been resolved with perhaps some better communication on uh, i know we were asking the wrong questions a lot (laughs) yeah um which didn't we didn't know what questions to ask yeah we 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 assumed i I think we made some assumptions and they weren't we weren't figured out until much later and i i know that that was weighing on josh it was just like can these people just stop (laughs) like There, so I, I've analyzed this a whole lot because whenever yeah. um, big mistakes happen at the table, I try and make sure they don't happen to us again. Um, the I think the first like big breakdown is that I did not present the the mechanic to you in a written form as well, so that you could just look it up when you weren't sure. Which I have since changed, and every time we introduce a homebrew mechanic, I do write it up and send it to the players. Um, but I think that would have answered every question every time if I had just done that from the start. It would have been really clear and easy for you to follow. So that's one thing that's like just 100% my fault um, is that I didn't communicate very well how it worked in the world in a way that was like repeatable and easy to track down and figure out how it worked. Um, and I think the second thing is that... Um, okay, so I've got three, really. The, the second okay. thing is that I think... Um, we got very sidetracked on how do we fix it and fey contracts don't really get fixed like things that happen yeah. in the fey are generally an entire quest away from fixing and i feel like some of the players really latched onto the idea of like there's got to be a simple way to reverse this and then it kept getting yeah. brought up and it was like but but we don't even understand the mechanic much less how to fix the mechanic 
And the third yeah. thing is that even though um, the way that it, like the way I presented it is the way that I went before you went into the Feywild and met with Andromeda, I spent about a week reading books and listening to podcasts and looking up write-ups and trying to figure out the Feywild in as broad a term as I could so that I could get like the most easily latched onto concepts, like what's in the Feywild every time. And yeah. even though the way I pitched it is the way it worked in the Feywild every time, I should have built the mechanic the way that's much easier to understand, which is that everyone forgets who Zoth is rather than separating your name from your legacy. So it's like, you still did that stuff, but you don't have your name anymore. That is how it works in the Feywild. It's kind of like Link in, um, uh, is that Majora's Mask when he goes back in time? Um, the the one where Link becomes like a little Link and no one knows who he is anymore and they're all upset about it. to the past? Uh, yeah, like in It's a Legend of Zelda or, game. Or, but anyway. Or Ocarina, uh, sorry, Ocarina, Ocarina of, time. of Time. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. My wife just yelled down the stairs. It's Ocarina of Time. Um, where he starts out, he's like self-actualized Link, and then he goes back in time. He's still Link. He still did all those cool things, but nobody knows he's Link anymore. Um, that's the that's the myth that just happened to you. Um, does he know he's Link? Yeah, he knows, but nobody else does. Um, no. But the way I should have pitched it is just everyone forgets who Zoth is and doesn't remember anything Zoth did. So it's like you no. become a faceless entity, and like you have to reintroduce yourself to the party. In the moment, I was like, once something had happened. And I realized that yeah. I should have done it the other way. It was too late because I, I try to, again, I try not to know yeah. and at the table because it invalidates canon. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, this already happened. It's part of the story now. Eventually, we did have to invalidate the canon and just yank it away. Um, I figured out much, much later, like two day, two or three days ago, I figured out the what ultimately should have happened because I happened to be listening back to that stream. The way it should uh, have happened is that in the dream sequence, when you lost your name and we saw Andromeda shut her book and pull out a new book, it should have got your name and your legacy should have gotten filed in her library. And the quest to get it back yeah. should have been that you had to rob her, like break into her library and steal Zoth's book, like the story of his life back. But I didn't or think of it and it didn't happen. And that's, that's what happened. That would have been cool. That would have been that yeah. would have been our, our a side quest. Though. I, that would have been a cool side quest. I I helped in ruining that, so I apologize. Oh, me too. Uh, I think it was a group effort. I don't I don't <laughs> think any of us effort. can be like I was not involved in in this becoming bad. <laughs> yeah, but we made it like sixty sessions without having a big fight about the rules at the table, and most D and D campaigns don't make it ten without a big fight about the <laughs> rules at the table. So True. I think that was pretty good. You know. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a D and D rule we could reference. Like it wasn't we were arguing about the the interpretation of well, something. Yeah. It was like uh, something we were building. It was yeah. I definitely think we made a, a mountain out of a molehill on accident there. And by the yeah. time it became obvious, it was a little too late. But yeah. I, enough about the past. Ooh, into the future. Let's talk about. Look at that segue. The future. You got some good segue foo going on over there. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, we are moving into a number of sort of micro stories because the founders have decided to split ways in a, dis in a discussion where like there are, um, two different kind of quests happening simultaneously. All two of them. Um, all so two all two remaining founders. <laughs> oof. That, uh, that hurts to say, um, <laughs> two guys ventures and vibes. Well, I mean, they, they might be able to get the third guy back and <laughs> maybe Radford gets hired. I don't know. Um, or maybe they hire some, you know, like there's, there's a chance to hire a fourth guy still. Isn't Radford an employee? Radford's an employee, but he's not like a top okay. level employee. Yeah. He has, um, he Radford's, 
be promoted, not hired. He's also yeah. like right now he's just there temporarily because Radford is really just using four guys to get to Outland, who he wants to go look at his cool broken airship. Um, he like he's not really committing in the long term to four guys at the moment. Um, but <laughs> maybe like, be going through trauma with you will be you know sometimes hey guys, that's enough. I know um, your friend died and all, and you're, you're all <laughs> trying we... to kill the Abolith, but like, can you check but out heard... my cool ship? Like. <laughs> It's like I see that you just got in an accident, but I can't help but notice you drive a pickup. I'm moving this weekend, and I was wondering if. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so the first of those stories that we're going to do is we are going on a caper themed adventure with Fox. Um, we're going to really lean into the like cool heist gang mechanics and I, you know, and, and kind of pull some of those tropes out and and whatever. And so we've built some like mechanics to land on top of D&D to make it feel more like an Ocean's Eleven or a Sly Cooper um, type of heist and caper. And we last last week we made characters for it, except Trevor wasn't here. So uh, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to actually make Trevor's character. To recap, uh, let's talk about the characters we already know we have. So we know that we've got Fox, and Fox is leading the Caper crew. Everyone else, the premise here is that yeah, the Mikeanid has gone out and hired people to help Fox with his heist. So um, whoever, whatever character you make, it needs to be a character whose backstory is like, you know, when Yeah meets with this person, he would deem them trustworthy for the quest. Um, but beyond that, like we have, so Fox is kind of like the mastermind, like, you know, the guy who sort of develops the cool big plan and maybe the front run, like the con man, you know, like the face, um, the, the, the dude who's got the bow tie on at the dinner party and is walking in. Yeah. Um, we've also got, I'm go Mission ahead. Impossible Man. Mission Impossible Man. <laughs> I'm Mission You're Impossible. Tom I, 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 my, my character's played by Tom Cruise. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, we've also got, Jake is playing a character named Gunner. I think Jackson is his last name, but Gunner is, I mean, we're going to call him Gunner. Gunner is a demolitionist. Um, nice. So he's, I believe he's, um, a rogue, but Gunner's, Gunner is a guy who likes to play with explosives. And, you know, make big bangs and noises and things. And so he's maybe a little bit of like the muscle too, in terms of like, I can be the beefy guy, scares people away. He's a hematician. He's a big old rock guy. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. We've got Wash is playing um, FP62, which is another callback to the the short miniseries that Trevor ran. FP62 yeah, is a contra- construct the whole way back from the season one finale in the season one finale where we found the Aboleths underneath Tumbleweb and we broke into the sort of underground facility where they were building their robot armies. Um, there was this big fight with a bunch of the constructs who were like pulled off the assembly line. So they weren't fully built, but they were like called into action to try and stop four guys, ventures and vibes. And in that fight, several of them were damaged. And so FP is one of these damaged constructs where the idea is that he was like basically hit in the control module by some kind of magic-y shrapnel. So like they have those batteries that they've been putting magic energy into. Maybe one of those blew up or something. But the shrapnel disconnected FP-62 from his like programming or, or it kind of jittered his programming. And so he no longer works for the Abolets. He's just like this random construct. He's like, I don't know. I got here. I'm just, I'm just FP six two. And, um, at some, at some point in his travels, FP six two was told to get a life 
and that's become his quest. Like he wants to figure out what exactly is a life. He's got like a, jo- a little journal of mannerisms and things that people do when they have a life. And on that list was get a job. Like people who have a life have a job. So he went to work for four guys, ventures and vibes and got a job selling burritos um, on behalf of four guys, ventures and vibes. This is another callback to Trevor's mini session, the great bean heist where um, some four guys delvers are just mercenaries who got hired for a side quest, but they were played by some of our esteemed viewers. Um, went and basically found this cool magic bean in a cave and recovered it. And they're now able to use it as a recipe uh, or as part of a recipe to sell their magic bean burritos, which are like a big hit in Gaim and has helped them financially establish four guys. So, um, so FB 62 is the burrito bot. Wait a minute. But yes, I just realized, you know, a lot of like, you know, the Italian police down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we all know they ain't just selling pizzas. It's a front for the for the mob, <laughs> yeah. right? No, no, no. Instead of it being the front, it, it, it's the equivalent of being like, oh, that pizza place down the street. Yeah, no, it funds the mafia. That is <laughs> that is where they get their money from. That is how they're able to do everything. It's like I like to think four guys is a front for the burrito cart. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, what? sorry, um, that was just. No, that's fine. So FP six two, I believe, is is going to kind of fill like the hacker trope, um, and the and the searcher trope. So the searcher in there's an actual website called TV Tropes, viewers, where you can go to like learn about, um, like what are the common tropes in genres and things like that. Is that on a caper crew? What's up? Is that like in today's generation? Is TV Tropes still relevant? Like I know it's still yes. updated and constantly. They're still doing modern media. I right, don't know right. if like the website is relevant, but like, um, but anyway, so the, the hacker is, I mean, that's a pretty obvious one. It's your guy in the chair. Um, and there's also the, the searcher is kind of the other role that we were thinking, um, FP kind of fits into. We've been talking about this offline. The searcher is the one who like gets the ball rolling. So they kind of like, they might sneak in and identify like hot spots or key areas in the target building and then come back out so they can form a plan or um the, the scout right um or as a as a hacker um he might be able to use some of his like well he was a construct built by the aboleths maybe his antenna still works or something and he can like kind of listen in on some of their radio communications but it takes some sort of skill check for him to tap in now or i don't know something like that so the, those are kind of the roles that wash says he envisions um fp62 fitting into um knowing that trevor let's talk about the character you want to make um, you can yes. pick. You can obviously play any character you want as long as it would make sense for yeah to hire them. Um, but I am using your chosen tropes to build my complication tables. So just bear that in mind. I'm sorry. Every time I'm looking over at the stream and the corner of my <laughs> eye, just seeing like Trevor move, and he's <laughs> it's like, yes, the collective, like <laughs> the collective will decide our fate. Absolutely. The council of Trevor. <laughs> One hundred percent. Sorry, all three of my personalities together at once. Horrifying. Uh, but, but no, the the tropes I was thinking of were um, driver and fixer. So um, driver is pretty self-explanatory. He's gonna uh drive the drive them in, drive them out. You know, in the getaway car. Um, I was thinking um, it'd be kind of funny if. Like part of his, I haven't, I haven't like thought about his backstory at all. But um, he like won like cipher truck rally races or something. 
like maybe cypher truck races are a thing and like he he's he's the current champion of them Ooh, or maybe he's a minecart racer Ooh, call oh, the minecraft yeah. i didn't even think of those that's kind of fun uh cool okay so i like that and then talk to me about the fixer what is it what does it mean for him to be a fixer so uh <laughs> no snail racer giant snail racer <laughs> It's turbo. Fastest snail around. Chat suggests a giant snail racer. I love it. Um, but the fixer is like someone who can always produce like whatever item or object that the party needs. So he's like always the person who's like, I know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. I have a family member who has this thing. So like he can always find parts for things. He can always find whatever materials are needed. Oh, so like if um, Fox is like, we need to go in through the roof. The fixer is the guy who's like, I can get a grappling hook. So like, give me two minutes, two yeah. two two days. Like, I know a guy. I can go. Yeah, exactly. Got it. My uncle knows a he, guy. He makes sure that the the party has all the equipment necessary. So I was thinking he's like, uh, personality wise, he's a very like charming and charismatic person with who just has connections like everywhere or at least in the city that this is based out of wherever we're going to get supplies from. See, that's fun. I like that a lot. What if he's um like has some connection to Randy who's like the head of cool stuff. And so like maybe he and Randy have worked out a number of contacts for him in, in most places where it's like, Oh, if you need something from four guys, like, you know, this is how you get it or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Having a connection to Randy. That would also give him the in for yeah. Do you have a, a name in mind for your character yet? Um, no, but I could think of one. I mean, Fine. we can do it at the beginning or the end. We need to work out his race, his class, his subclass. Um, okay, and I'll, I will do the name at the end. Okay, great. So what race do you want to play? Um, if you want to play an Urada race, I can remind you what all those are. Or if you uh, want please. to play a different one, you can. What are the Urda races? I'm pulling it up right now because we have your dirt, like your go eleven or twelve. Your rock. <laughs> uh, chat, you think he's joking, but the <laughs> dirt, dirt, goat, and rock are <laughs> all of them. Uh, okay, the three there elements are the, combined. Um, there's the the rootlings, the A2, the sapiders, the hematicians, the darude, the wheatlings, the dirt, the goat folk, which are kind of like centaurs. There's the winged badgers that um, Kotix made in the in the Far East. There's the beaver folk, who are like a subclass of the dirt, basically, or a subrace of the dirt. And there's Do the... We, what are the dirt again? The dirt are like Jeb. Jeb is Jeb. a dirt. The mole oh, folk. Oh, right, right, right. Dirt folk. Um, yeah. yeah. And the there's like Kelnor's anointed changelings who are like just changelings, but like high, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I have stat blocks high for all of life. those made. So if you if you wanted to play one of those, we could do that. And other substances. Um, I assume we're supplying in Gaim like like. Yeah, this is all going to start in Gaim. So. Could I could I be a winged badger? Sure. We, have we I don't know, seen. Like, a winged badger? Yeah. You haven't encountered a single winged badger in this adventure. They were only created like a handful of years before the darkening. So they they haven't really expanded past the point of the world where they were created. Um, where? But that doesn't mean that you couldn't play one. So I, 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 I might have been present for that. I know I was not always present because Kay came towards the end of the The eras. winged badgers were in the same session as, as Kay. Okay. Where where did they can we can we get some lower drops? Where where did they end up? Where are they 
Where are they hanging out? What's going on? Luckily, I've been working on the the actual source book for the world of Urida. And so I have like the lore write-ups and stuff. Um, created in the year 11,020 by Cork, the avatar of Kotix, the winged badgers live along the eastern coast of Urida, just north of Ironcliff and Ambergard. Uh, viewers who are watching us live right now, you can't actually see Ambercliff and Ironguard, but they are like just to the bottom right of the map that you can see in our overlay. Um, it just doesn't quite reach far enough. Let me see if I have the whole map somewhere. Is the map on this one? Uh, that's not the map. No. Let me let me see if I can <laughs> find the map and put it on there. Hang on. We're getting a little sidetrack chat, but it's so you can find. I want you to be able to find things. It'll be cool if you can find things. Here we go. Master of sidetracking the stream Boom. is me. The world of Urida. Um, right here Yay. on the bottom right, you can see Ambercliff and Iron Guard. I know it's hard to read them when they're that small. but So Gaim is in that desert area. And then if you go southeast from there, you see Ambercliff and Iron Guard. Um, yep. So they live along the coast of Urida, just north of there. Uh, in this darker green area near the river, maybe. Um, left mostly to their own devices by the world on account of the fact that they are so new, the winged badgers have very little contact with other races. In the year 11,025, a portal was created near the winged badger lands to Namedes, but it stopped functioning properly a mere five years later in the Darkening. At the same time as the Darkening, Setonia blessed the winged badgers with a proficiency in mining that has allowed them to turn their burrows into functional mines and begin storing up resources of their own. Winged badgers are a curious and adventurous race. They are known for their love of exploration and discovery and are always eager to learn about the world around them. They can be quite mischievous at times and enjoy playing pranks on each other and on other races. However, they are also fiercely loyal to their friends and family and will do whatever it takes to protect those that they care about. Winged badgers are highly individualistic and value personal freedom and autonomy. Autonomy. They are not inclined to follow rules or authority figures blindly and will always question the status quo. However, because of their strong sense of community, they are willing to work together with others when it benefits the greater good. Overall, winked badgers are a fun-loving and adventurous race, always seeking out new experiences and challenges. Whoa. Uh, so that's the the lore dump about the winged badgers. I just had a brain um, blast. It actually fits the, the, the personality I was thinking Think that's about. Cool. It. Wait, wait, wait. Brain blast. All right. Think about it. Yeah. You are a former captured like slave, like slavers found you and like, they're like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. People are going to pay a lot of money for this. And, and they caught you unawares or something. Right. And then next thing you know, you get out, you bust out. Maybe, maybe you got out in Gaim. Who knows? But either way, you're like, F this. And, and, and now you're just like, well, I guess I'm here now. I, you know, <laughs> I, I ended up here. I, it, it just, it just happens. I guess I'm in Gaim. And you just <laughs> made the most of your life up until the, like from whenever you escaped to to now. And of course you can fill that in as much as you want. But I just thought that would be like kick ass explains how you got here and your attitude. That is a pretty <laughs> cool premise. Um, that is a good premise. Just so you know the the racial features of the winged badgers. Um, Age-wise, winged badgers typically live to be around 250 years old and reach maturity early around the age of 30. Um, winged badgers can be found in any alignment. They range between two and four feet tall, with white wings speckled with a few black feathers that stretch out no further than four feet from their bodies. And they have a few special abilities. Uh, first, they have a burrow speed of 15 feet, and they create tunnels that are large enough for a medium-sized creature to follow behind them in single file. Next, they have a fly speed. They can fly but not hover at 15 feet of speed. If they end their turn in the air, they will fall. Um, they have dark vision 60. 
And thanks to the supernatural intervention of Setonia, the winged badgers have a natural inclination towards mining skill. They are proficient with pickaxes, sledgehammers, and warhammers. Um, okay. Language-wise, winged badgers can speak common and one other language. Um, and then they have the like the Tasha's ability modifiers. So any plus two yeah. for one ability and a plus one for another ability. Okay. Hmm. Um. So yeah, if you'd like to play a winged badger, I highly recommend it. I think they're pretty awesome. I winged badger actually fits the the character archetype and personality I was planning on. That's awesome. Um, I have just put in the little note doc I sent you. I put a link to the winged badger stat block in case you need it later. Um, the next thing we want to work out is your class and your subclass. Do you have any ideas for that? Um. Uh. Probably. Without magic, probably rogue. Um, hmm. And I was thinking swashbuckler, but with the backstory we proposed, I don't like. I guess swashbuckler doesn't actually mean pirate. They have to be Ooh. a pirate. I just. I think swashbuckler is just like a lot of panache, right? Like they're Fox they're just kind of swashbuckler. Showing. You could be dual a swashbucklers. He could be great. He just flies with his wings. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, um, the what, of the if, skies. Yeah. Um, would he? So then he would just carry like explosives or something. Then he would drop <laughs> like little bombs. Um, let's see it here. Works, Subclass swashbuckler. I'm looking them um, up I right now. I can pull up. Uh, I think I have that bookmarked. I was just gonna do the little lore dump for swashbucklers. Um. Where's the swashbuckler stuff? Swashbuckler, you focus your training on the art of the blade, relying on speed, elegance, and charm in equal parts. While some warriors are brutes clad in heavy armor, your method of fighting looks almost like a performance. Duelists and pirates typically belong to this archetype. A swashbuckler excels in single combat and can fight with two weapons while safely darting away from an opponent. I, I just see Trevor just shaking his head and like, yes, yes. Yes, that yes. is what a swashbuckler is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we agree. Um, so, yeah. So if you want to play a swashbuckler, you totally can. There's, um, uh, I think, well, uh, yeah, without magic, there's quite a few. Rogues uh, have a lot of cool eloquent, subclass options. I was thinking eloquence barred otherwise, but... Um, but because there's no magic be bard cool. is tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a rogue scout. I don't know if that would be a good one or not. Um, Let me look it up. There's a rogue scout. There's uh, what else do we have here? And surviving far from the streets of a city. Inquisitive was also interesting. Burp, 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 burp. Switching to inquisitive. <laughs> Do as any an of them like inclusive. light you up as like this would be fun and kind of fits with my trope and you know like that? I was thinking a uh, swashbuckler fits pretty well because um, there's like I'm going like I'm doing like not a full charisma build but like dex and then charisma basically. Okay. Because he's so he's going to be personable to make all of the connections to be you know the fixer kind of guy. Like I see him, he's like someone everyone wants to go back to the tavern to drink with. Um, Mm. I mean, 
like everyone's always always laughing around and and stuff inquisitive like that might be good for that In- inquisitive would have been my guess but you should play the rogue you want to play so if you want to play a swashbuckler yeah. definitely don't let me talk you out of it um i i agree though i think inquisitive would have been a good fit for that too um, they both would be as an um, archetypal inquisitive you excel at rooting out secrets and unraveling mysteries you rely on your sharp eye for detail but also on your finely honed ability to read the words and deeds of other creatures to determine their true intent you excel at defeating creatures that hide among and prey upon ordinary folk and your mastery of lore and keen deductions make you well equipped to expose and end hidden evils um, and it looks like a lot of your abilities uh, or your like class features because you'll be level 9 yeah. Um, the class features you get up to level nine, oh, level nine are all very, yeah. Cause well, you're whatever level you are now. So only the, the main cast are leveling up. So like Fox and Radford and Alan okay. are leveling up. And for you at the end of the sub quest, you're going to pick whichever of your characters you want to be your main, your main character. And we'll give them like, we'll oh, bump okay. them up to match the main party. So that oh, way okay. um, you're still at, at level parity with them. Yeah, I think looking at, I, I'd rather pick Inquisitive over Swashbuckler. Okay, cool. So okay. we got an, an Inquisitive, uh, Rogue Inquisitive. I'm an uh, Inquisitively smash oh, your yeah. face in. Got him. The, and then another thing that I asked everyone to work out is a prior connection that links you to at least one other character in the party. If you were linked to Randy, that would that would satisfy this narrative. It was just like, what's the reason this party is going to stay together and trust each other? Because oh, like okay. in in yeah. four sessions or less, which is what I anticipate this being, I don't want us to have to like, we need to go through the journey of learning to like each other the way that we did. Like, yeah. you know, in the beginning of season one, a lot of yeah. it was like learning to love each other. So, um, yeah, I'd say. I guess Randy then uh, that's a good connection. Maybe he saw me in right Minecraft races or maybe we've, we've come across each other through town because uh, my character is, you know, very personable and just is one of those people who like knows everything. Which one do so. you prefer? Which of those? I want to say that Randy has like heard of just like the presence of this person in town, but never met them and then saw them at Minecraft races and put the face to like the personality that he's heard about. Does he race Minecraft's like as his, like, is that his cover for why he has all the tools and gadgets and things like as the fixer? Like, is that, is that why he finds all the parts? I think when he first, um, like escaped the slavers, let's say, um, he sort of, <sighs> went more towards the the underworld of the city because it's quicker money and you don't have to deal with all of the bureaucracy so he probably like started out of just like hey go get this for me you know working for various people and he was just the errand person and so he just learned really early on how how to find things and get things for people as quickly as possible and he built you know relationships with people and then over time, he got like once he had a um a steady income, he could like explore various hobbies and interests. And I think you know, being the the wing badger, being curious, he probably came across someone who was like talking about it, or maybe so he would like go to a few races. Oh, that's really cool! And then like over time, get more involved in it. Um, and I love the idea that like. He's won a lot, but he also can't keep a pit crew because he's so abusive to the minecart and like his <laughs> his driving. Like he's nice to the people, it's, but he treats the gear so badly or so roughly. Yeah. 
they're like, we can't fix this. And he's like, yeah, you can. You do it every time. <laughs> and then like the, the pit crew leaves. So he's always constantly having to refresh his pit crew. It's meant <laughs> to be worked to be broken. Hey, it got me to the yeah. end, which is its job. Maybe if he filled his pit crew with actual pit crew mechanics instead of calling in favors with all of the people he knows from everywhere, maybe they'd be more more amenable. <laughs> That's awesome. I love but, that premise. That's great. Um, and so like he has to constantly keep working and if he wants to keep minecart racing because he has to keep paying people more and more in order to be a pit crew because he's gotten the reputation for just beating up the minecarts even though he wins nice all right i'm sorry i i have to say this josh can you can you do me the most awesomest favor maybe can you put like can you put like a little reverb on trevor i just i want the (laughs) council of trevor to have a voice oh my gosh you mean like right now i can do it in the podcast i don't think i could do it now because i'd put it on your voice too oh i could put reverb on everything (laughs) <laughs> but I can't. I can just I can't, shut up like, for a second. You can just be like, <laughs> uh, the ways we get sidetracked." I'm sorry. Uh, hang on one second. I'm on it. Just <laughs> you, just you, just hang on. Yay. Okay, Trevor, say some things. I, the Council of Trevor, have deemed this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I, I don't I just, know if it's working or not. Uh, I, I turned it on, it but I, okay, I can't monitor it from my end. So okay, great. I'm gonna turn that. I'm gonna turn that back off, and we're gonna actually keep going with oh, our. It was working. What? It was working great. <laughs> great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking as like a fun sort of quirkiness to him is like he's a relatively. I don't want to say reckless, but carefree. Yeah. When he goes about his driving, um. Where, like, he obviously knows how to drive and can protect the people in it, but it might get a little beat up along the way. Yeah. And then um, the last thing that I need before we figure out your name is in order for me to create um, situations that allow you to, like, grow your character, because we only have a limited time, I'm sort of fast-tracking my my insight into who the character is. I would like you to pick one of the following to work out for your character. It could be a philosophical question that they've always wrestled with or been unsatisfied about. It could be a visceral fear or phobia that they've never worked through. It could be a regret from their childhood that they carry with them. It could be a sweet spot or a soft spot for something. Um, or it could be like the the more standard like D and D ideal that I can challenge. Um, but I'd like for you to pick one of those so that I can use that to kind of hook you in and give your character the opportunity to grow and develop. Okay, so looking at his timeline, I would say he probably was like taken away by the slavers like really early on in his life like maybe even before he knew his family really or could remember his family let's say um and so he grew up as like just this kind of show-off piece you know like they would just put him in a cage and let people like Like a circus freak because yeah because no one had seen a winged badger um before um and so he just like traveled around um and that's kind of, kind of like where he learned how to talk to people because he could get things from people if he was like, nice and like did what they wanted like sometimes they could throw food that would be better than his meals or you know throw coins into the cage which would be his only money gotcha um 
and so that's kind of how we learned how to how to talk to people um and then maybe he escaped the slavers in his like teen equivalent so like maybe 20s right mm -hmm. you said they mature at 30 yeah um and so he like Probably I'd say he he it was in Gaim and he just stayed in Gaim the whole time. So he like worked in the the underworld of Gaim for a while, like you know doing being the errand boy and just running around learning the city streets, um, how to how to avoid the the police, um, and just like fly under the radar and then make the the connections and personableness that he has, <laughs> and then. Probably when he was an adult, he he made enough money where he could sort of break out of that life and again explore his own interests. Um, he'd say he probably has like a small shop where he's just like using that skill of he can find anything for anyone, and so like people come to him when they need something specific relatively quickly. That isn't like obvious or maybe is rarer. Chat says so his character, like his little game game hook is that he has a rational fear of slavery. <laughs> um so do you think like slavery is something that would like really upset him? Like is that something that would be a good like if he sees someone else who is a slave type thing? Uh yeah, he would probably feel very compelled to help them. Well that's gonna be easy to hook him in then because Jeb is enslaved by the Aboleth right now. <laughs> yeah. That's Wait. true. Is that how this conversation goes when we go to like hire this man? When we're just like, yeah, man, we could really use your help. Uh, we're looking for like this fourth, and they're just—he's just like, listen, I don't know, man. I got my own stuff. I'm just trying to make some money. And and they like heard down the streets like, yo, you you hate slavery though, right? And they're like, why why are you talking about slavery, bro? And you're like, yo, technically, <laughs> our friend is enslaved <laughs> by the Abolith. <laughs> And he's like, say no more, fam. <laughs> let, let me get my keys. <laughs> Chad says maybe injustice, like maybe he hates injustice just because it's a little broader than slavery. Um, but whatever whatever you want to play as, as your character, um, what do you think? Um, I don't think in, like, because I don't see him as like the Robin Hood trying to yeah. right the wrongs of, of, of the rich. Um, but I understand like slavery is, is slavery as a whole too specific? No. Do we want more broader? No, it's just cause okay. chat asked about it. So I thought I'd suggest it and see what you thought. Okay. Um, I think him like probably seeking to end like, like that's his political active, uh, activism is like a like, hyper against slave. Nice. Or human tra or trafficking too, I guess. And Not necessarily slaves, but. Uh, race traffic insert race here traffic right um so the the last thing that we need then is we need a name for this driver slash fixer this rogue inquisitive winged badger who was a circus freak who escaped spent some time in the underworld building up a huge network of contacts and skills and is now a, a somewhat like a regionally well-known minecraft racer um, who's going to be going along on this heist as the driver and the fixer? Um, what do, what do we name that guy? Hmm. Ferdinand is screaming to me. Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Oh. Gotta watch that. All right. Yeah. Does he have a nickname like Ferdinand? Blah. Last name. 
Does he have like a like a racer name or something? He's not an Archduke, right? <laughs> no, he's not an Archduke. Okay. Um, let's see. What would his race... Um, let me think of a last name first. Okay. And then we'll come back to that. Um, Ferdinand... Hmm. I mean, I guess he might not even know like a last name. Or I guess he would have picked one. Or someone would have given him one. When he like mm. was officially registered in the city. Yeah. So probably be... Go ahead. Um, Rocksworth. Rock what? Rocksworth? Rocksworth. Rocksworth. He's worth rocks. Because he was probably like filing for like his shop, you know, because he was like uh, trying to be above the books. And so he's like Ferdinand. And they're like, and last name. And he's like uh, uh, looking around and we're in Gaim. So he saw a rock and just needed to flavor it. Nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess. I'm thinking of like the middle school child inside of me was just like, yeah, worth a lot of rocks. God, Chad says if he had a line of sneakers in Walmart, it would be his Furta brand. Heck yeah. Okay. Um, so his racer name would be the Bruiser because he always bruises his minecart. Starting in the sixth position, Ferdinand the Bruiser Roxworth. I like it. That's a that's a name. Then his under underground name or like like street name would be uh probably Seeker. Seeker? Yeah. Because he finds stuff. Ferdinand the Bruiser Seeker Roxworth. (laughs) There we go. <laughs> Chad says if he stores lots of produce for later, they would be furdicand. <laughs> if he gives someone, if he if he aids somebody on their quest, he would be giving them a fur to hand. <laughs> the I can play this game too. Punning uh, is happening for, and also for like more connections. It's very possible that anyone from four guys could have requested stuff like him to find something for them or randy could have come to him or sent someone to him gotcha to find things for he's four our guys, like, man so maybe he knows yeah. F- like maybe he knows fp as well like fp for his burrito stand maybe you know for whatever reason they've yeah. run across each other too he would definitely have gotten burritos several times yeah he's the guy who can find anything so if he needs a good burrito yeah. he knows how to find it you go to fp's burrito exactly. cart and <laughs> you exactly. go get it this is going to be a super low-key evening since half of our party didn't show up. So, <laughs> that's okay. I, most of the work tonight is Trevor's job, so I got you know this. there's that. Um, tonight, Trevor's going to make a new character. We're going to talk Ooh. about the past little mini arc of Wing Badger Tavern, the tumultuous events of the Laredith arc, if you will. We're going to talk about the next mini arc of the Wing Badger Tavern. And uh, we're going to maybe do a practice run of some new mechanics. I'm not sure we're going to actually do that with only two of you, but maybe we'll try it. It might still be super fun. Um, It might even be a better way to play test it with just two of you. So um, that might work great. It looks like all three Trevor's headphones broke at the same time. So I'm going to give them a second to just arrange things here. here. I am joined tonight by a full party of players. We've got um, Matt, who's not Matt, who's Cleo. Uh, Say hi. Hi. Uh, And we've got Trevor. Say hi. Hi. And then we have Trevor. Hello. And then there's also Trevor. 
it's me. And that's our party tonight. So for those of you listening on Spotify or whatever, I because two of our players are missing, I just added Trevor's screen capture to the other two spots in our overlay. So it's just all Trevor's and a Cleo. Uh, so that's fun. Um, and a Josh. Yeah, I'm here too. You're right. I'm Josh, Wing Dodger Game Master. That's me doing the things. Um, let's start by talking about the past few sessions, uh, the, the dark times, if you will. The um, what I guess you could call the Laredith arc. Since the last tavern talk, we've had the one where the rod fights back, the one where Zoth hangs in the balance, and the one where the founders part ways. So really, the whole thing has revolved around Zothkug. Um, Interesting. And not in necessarily the best of ways. How are we feeling? Talk about. Okay. Talk to me about your emotions. <laughs> can, I, can I just put this out here? All right. First of all, I'm offended. All right. <laughs> I'm feeling offended because. You started the stream. Not only did you go live, that's normal, but you started the stream before eight o'clock and I like having my pre stream wrong doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Have you looked at the time? It's eight o'clock. Well, it's eight o'clock now, but (laughs) tradition. Uh, Tradition (laughs) demands that we stop. Hang on, we're going to stop the stream and waste about 10 minutes of your time. And then we'll come back to how we're feeling about the past. It's too late. The magic's gone. Oh, okay. I will instead tell you about my feelings about... I ruin everything, I know. The last three sessions. (laughs) Nothing hurt quite as much as this moment. Well, I I will say... What what hurt more was uh, the the turn that this arc had turned into. It was supposed to be a whoa. We we show up. Uh, we got Laredith in tow, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out what's going on in Gaim. You know, it's it's a bit of a welcome back party to like you know we we left Gaim in charge of yeah 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 yep 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 that's all folks. Uh, we left <laughs> yeah in charge of our Gaim headquarters, and we kind of just let it go. I think we only saw a brief touch of that with our one offs. Did we ever air those yet? Um, the the adventurous squad uh, we we sent the like the the, the side delve thing yeah. No, there the wasn't a read. there wasn't a gap in our upload schedule for it. So I was thinking of doing it between seasons, maybe. Oh, okay. So yeah, you guys on Spotify haven't seen that, but if you're if you were watching it live, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. The Great Bean Heist. The Great Bean Heist. That's the only time we've really touched base. So this is our first time touching base since that, right? And so that's supposed to be all it was. And next thing you know, tragedy strikes right after a tragedy. And I'm not okay with it. Fox is not okay with it. I'm upset. I I have to I have to agree that my expectations did not match the reality of the the time you've spent in Gaim so far. I was really expecting it to be like a little bit more lighthearted. Like we just had a a sort of victory from the jaws of defeat in terms of rescuing Laredith. Um, we, I was picturing it as like, there's this victorious return to base. We'll get to play with some downtime activities. You know, we've rescued an avatar and gotten her to the safe place. So like, maybe that means that we'll get some cool benefits out of that. Or like, maybe she'll help us invent something or I don't know, some kind of payoff. And instead we get there and like almost immediately it, it all goes wrong. Did you say downtime because we are down a party member? Is that is that <laughs> where you were going yeah, with it? I'm upset. That's what that triggered. Means. Instantly triggered. <laughs> oh, but no, I, I we, we you've heard it all from us, but I, I gotta I gotta understand how how it is from the man, the myth, the legend himself, 
how's being dead? How, how how's that? <laughs> how's that going? For uh, you? Which Trevor are you talking to? All of Top, them, middle or bottom? Oh, sorry. I, this is referring to the the bottom Trevor. Oh, okay. I I know it's a little confusing, but I I figured you know bottom Trevor would know the most. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It certainly was very unexpected. Um. The dice did not help me at all. And in fact, the the uh, main contributor to the problem. But yeah, I mean, oh, I feel sad. Yeah, take us take us into your headspace, man. I like that was a real twist for all of us to go from this is a normal combat to Zoth is dead. Take us into your head. What what was it like? Break it down. I want to I want to like a a minute by minute, a second by second, a roll by roll mental breakdown of what was happening inside your head. Okay, so we're fighting. I'm fighting the scout. And we trade like misses where like I fire a spell and miss. He fires a spell and misses. And we do that like two or three times. Then I get a natural one on the die. And then the, the wand starts exerting its its power over me as part of the mechanic we determined. Um, it's like trying to wrest control back. Oof. Um, so that does some damage to me. And then I continue pursuing the bot. And I throw another attack, and I roll. Didn't I roll like two net three, two or three natural ones? You you did at least one more, not one that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so that that felt really bad again. And then the wand exerted more control and force, um, and did some damage. It didn't kill me though, which would have been completely fatal and not even given us the chance to try and res me. And then the scout, you know, did the the finishing blow after the two uh, psychic attacks from the one, the rot. Did he just like give you like a little kick? Like what? What, what was the finishing basically. blow? I mean, it really was basically just a kick because you were grappling the bot, and then it escaped by kicking you off it, and Zoth like fell over unconscious. Yeah. Um, chat makes a good point here, which is they said, "What scares me is that the crud was beaten out of everyone by the scouts. I can't imagine what else the baddies have up their sleeves if this was just the scouts." yeah what are what are your thoughts uh, not reassuring definitely that we couldn't we could barely handle the scouts okay i can't help but feel like so this this is the 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 gamer in me and and the narrative master inside of me the genius on that hasn't been unleashed yet maybe one day the 5d chess head if you will um (laughs) but no like just narratively right uh you're you're in the beginning right um and you see this a lot uh this is a really weird place to take this conversation but okay you see this a lot in strategy i'll try and games, play some music because right? it's weird and fun <laughs> but like in a strategy game right you're like oh you're the underdogs um or perhaps it's the beginning we don't know like obviously the whole game's about this you know conflict but the conflict hasn't started yet we don't know and so you play the tutorial levels and it pits you up against the scouts but then the scouts throw you for a loop and then they they kick your butt and you got to work your way in and and figure out what to do and you you go from fighting against the little scouts to to upgrading from there to there so i feel like we're at the beginning right where we were just like okay we went in and we defeated uh we we got lairdith but just barely right but we didn't actually attack like a combat place this was an industrial plant right we just did a raid essentially to get Lairdith. now we're dealing with the real military that the baddies might have and this was their scouts and they kicked our butt right well 
Laredith was oh getting Laredith we had like a mini boss fight true but then... that was like that was upper management happened to be there okay <laughs> that's <laughs> I also think I also think with the scouts you know we were all 1v1 with the scout whereas like we tend to operate better in like a group I think it's worth noting that your two combat specialists did both win their 1v1s. I mean, I guess Alan tied, if you want to be fair with it. Alan fell unconscious at the end of his fight, but he did it during the killing blow. So it like turned out to kind of be a tie. But that's a little scary. If spells hit, it would have gone better. I'm just saying, it's scary that our tank tied with a scout. All right. Yeah. That is pretty rough. Was he full health when he did that fight? I don't remember. I think he must have been because you guys hadn't really done anything dangerous up to that point, unless maybe there was some fighting with the the bullies or the the gang, the, the Red Vipers. But I don't think that it was like a like that. The fight where the whole group was there wasn't much of a fight. It was like we snuck most of the way through. We got hit once or twice by a club and then we left. Um, it wasn't like a you know a well, war of attrition like of hit group. points type thing. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying I. And in a normal game sense, and even like story sense, this would be like with the wake up call, and then we go on like this the the journey of building up to improve and improve. Like that will become the journey. That it's you, the the time where like Rocky goes into the Tibetan yeah. mountains and trains with the like <laughs> elder monk dude or whatever. Yeah. Now instead of that being Batman a montage, goes to Ra's al you know, instead of it being a montage, this is our journey. This is the film. The film isn't like yeah. montage. Come back kick butt the film right. is us in the montage moment yeah like we're yeah. basically playing the montage yeah instead of the, it being a montage. probably the lowest point of the party's journey i agree this is this is a big low i'll i'll be honest i fox is not in it anymore fox is going back for jeb not because he sees him vital for the campaign or you know the fight the big bad but because fox wants to do this for fox yeah. and i'm not sure fail fox has to go on his own journey could you to, could to... we could we argue that that means fox is the most in it he's ever been like yeah. if doing the quest is now like this is just what fox wants for fox like that's like a hundred percent buy-in right oh for for this part of it yes i'm just saying i'm worried like fail or success i i don't know what's gonna happen after oh you think fox is gonna like hang it up after this I, I think it's in it, it's in the, the multiple toll. branching timelines. It's it's a strong mm. contender. It all Fox depends. Has, Fox has definitely felt the most trauma in, yeah. in my like. I think Owlin had a low point with the Macar thing, but the whole time he had his friends there to support him, and he kind of came out on the other side with like, "I've made a positive change in my life." And I feel like Fox has had like two or three big traumas in a row without any opportunity to like catch his breath or process his trauma and his friends who are supposed to be a support network keep leaving. Like Jeb got not leaving him, but like, you know, right. Jeb got fell behind with the Aboleths. And then he was like, well, at least I've got Zoth who like, you know, he doesn't always have the best relationship with, but he's known him the longest. And then Zoth dies like minutes later, like narratively speaking, like minute, yeah. if, it, if it was a movie instead of a D and D campaign, Zoth made it like three extra minutes of screen time and then died. <laughs> and, and Fox is like, well, I don't, so you're right. Like I, there's what the heck is going to happen with Fox. I think maybe there's a possibility that like Fox and Owlin find some kind of bond in the middle of their loss. Like, I mean, there's also Fox's team. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that. I, I, I think right now, critically, 
since Fox will not be with Allen, I think it's going to depend on how he goes with his team, right? Um, what if he builds up a relationship with his team and can't abandon them kind of thing, right? Yeah. Or is he going to do what I'm most likely thinking he's going to stick with at first, which is like, these people are just here to help me finish my objective. Right. Yeah. Strictly right, like they're business. they're hired mercs, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chat I, says that Fox has to make sure Zoth's sacrifice counts for something, though, and like make sure he makes it to the afterlife. And then Chat, Chat says you should go talk to the Mer Lady. Well, okay, so I was actually gonna bring that up. Mer Lady, right now, Willow, Willow, right, is, I think, right now she's still fighting the good fight, right, where we left off. And she saved her butt. And I I got a guarantee that she was safe. Right? Um I I think part of Fox just wants to like she's the one last thing from his life that, you know, he he might just go back to find her. He might go back to his parents. Which I don't think he's fully processed the fact callback that he could do that. I don't, I, I don't know if he's fully processed that dream he had. Okay? That's a great point. I, I don't think he's realized after all these times where it's shoved into his face again and again that all these things that are fantasal and like crazy are real, that that dream might have actually been real and a not vision. just like, you know, some sort of analogy or, you know, something. Because he, he's always saw in his head like, that dream was just an analogy. The dream I'm referring to, by the way, was this dream where his parents had been captured and tortured and were, I, I think, rescued by divine powers. And it was all tied to the Broken Rod Company. Um, and perhaps his parents, I believe that's supposed to be a flashback to what happened to his parents before Fox. Um, but either way, like his parents are in danger and he doesn't understand that and he has moved away from that narrative narratively right he's his headspace is not thinking about his parents i guarantee once he gets jeb i he's gonna start connecting the dots of like i gotta grab what little bit of my family i have left right although if you go back to hometown you might have to deal with Zoth's parents and give them the bad news i exactly but i i I, I think he's not going to run away from that. I think he'd rather make sure that he has the few people in his life that are not going to leave him right now. He's lost a leg. He's lost uh, a father figure. Um, and and just Sage, I, I think is how he saw Jeb, was this like big influence in his life. The Uncle Iroh. The he Uncle did get Iroh. a leg as well. Like he, you know, he's back to two legs. He is back to two legs. Um, I, I, I still think... You know, I, I don't know how if he's going to get past that part yet. Mentally. Right. Um, I, th- I think one thing from the, the past few sessions that like I just think is worth shouting out. I feel like all around the group has done maybe their best role playing of the whole campaign so far in like the past three to five sessions of gameplay. I just am like very impressed with everyone's portrayal of their characters and like the, the way that we can both be serious and lighthearted and, and like it, it feels like kind of believable. Like the suspension of disbelief is really strong. And I think you guys, you both of you did great. And so did our other two players. 
um, you know, rip Jake and wash. We fired them because we hired Trevor two more times, but you know, if if they were still here carrying the team now, yeah, we just, we feel like we had their best performances. We've already gotten out of them. So we figured we'd replace them with, (laughs) you know, cause Trevor's got like, basically Trevor's on this huge upward climb, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. to the moon, uh, with Trevor's role playing performance. So, yeah. I'm a now a professional voice actor. I just will voice three different characters. That's cool. Yeah, uh, Are they all going to have the same voice? By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, my wife just brought me propel. Ooh. Um, uh, so Propelled I have you into the future. I have on my agenda here that Wash wanted to fight about a ruling, but Wash isn't here to fight about a ruling. Are there any um, GM rulings that you folks think are controversial and want to fight about, or mostly just talk about how they ended you know up the what way they are? He wanted to fight about. No, I have no idea. He didn't tell me. Um, no. He just was I like, was "Hey, like, I want to talk about take Wash's stance," but I don't know what he's talking about. I I don't know. I've when have we had? I was just trying to remember when we had any like rule contestant contests in the past sessions. I don't think the past three sessions have actually had any. I think it's probably something that Wash was like, he's the DM. I'm just going to like respect the ruling and go on with the game. Uh, and it was just like, okay. I'd like to discuss that afterwards. I don't think it was like, a, I don't think he's really upset. Um, but he just was like, this was a ruling I would have ruled differently. And so it was going to make an interesting discussion. And now I, I guess it won't. Um, so that's fine. Rip that. Uh, whatever I did was right all the time. Revisionist history is go, great. Go team. Whoa. Yeah, go team. Team Trevors. <laughs> um, how, how do you guys feel about Gaim now that you've like been there for a while? Like, what do you think of the city? Um, I guess, what do you think of the, the kind of folks you've met there? Any of that? I think the little bit we have been through is really cool. I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of Gaim because we've been to like two places. We've been to our base and we've been to the bottom district to see royalty and we've just been back and forth, up and down. So we haven't seen much of it. But the stuff we have seen has been cool. Kind of going along with how we've said the past few sessions have been nothing like what we thought they would be. I even planned it so you guys would show up and there would be like a cool holiday festival going on. So you could like really explore and like meet people. And then you were the entire festival. It's a seven day festival. You spent 10 days in a temple building something. So like you (laughs) missed the whole festival. (laughs) It's like, well, I can't like interject, like check out the great pretzel stand. Like, you know, like that's not thematically appropriate. It would have been a really, really cool moment if they did succeed with Zoss revival. All right. Can I can I just say real quick, like, can you imagine the callback when we come back to this place a year or longer and we, we celebrate the anniversary of Zoth's death, but at the same time there's a celebration? Do you know how much of a like an I don't know. My part of my brain's is like thinking of the possibilities of the of the moments conflicting. Um, and my brain's just like, this is story material. I haven't made the story yet, yeah. but it's in there. It's in my head. It's thinking. There's some great <laughs> story material there. Um I will say um, uh to respond to chat, yeah, no. That's that's the interesting thing. I think right now I like how boons are, but yeah, it, it is. I, I bet after, especially if you're a longtime watcher, watching boons change over time is a bit of a. It's interesting. I don't know how to put it into words. This um, is a fascinating um, topic to to move into. We're going to talk more about boons. I'm not going to write off that discussion. I just want to widen it a little bit because I've heard from two of our different viewers in the past month 
one of them has said that they don't think the story is as fun and interesting to listen to anymore. And the other one says that what we're doing right now is the best material we've ever made. And so overall, like the evolution of Wing Badger Tavern, like how are you feeling about it, about the way the story has changed, the dynamic of the characters, like we've kind of widened the world and met some more contacts versus before it was like we had that really tight, isolated party dynamic. Um, How do you feel about the way Boons are different? Because we introduced Boons as Boons in the season one finale. So really, it's only been season two that's had boons. Before that, it was chat could cast spells, but that didn't make as much sense because of the fact that there's no magic in the world. So when we tried boons and liked it, we kind of stuck there. But like, I don't know. How do you feel about any of that? The the kind of growth and trajectory we're on? Um, I think, I don't know if this is just the product or like the, the side effect of the way that the story is like, like the grand story. But like we started out much more like lighthearted comical um upbeat and we sort of devolved into this much like more serious a little bit darker i'd say almost but i think that's mainly because we're getting closer to like the end of the story like the end not like the actual end but like we're getting closer to you know figuring everything out and i think just in its nature like the closer we get the more violent the darker it's toned it's gonna be i i i definitely agree with that right it's obviously a, a thing you're gonna notice when you start to touch on a grander scale things are gonna get more serious right I, at our initial scale it was like we're a bunch of kooky guys kind of doing our kooky adventure investigating kooky things <laughs> And the kooky things turned out to be very big and not so kooky. <laughs> um, and so like it was so far separated from us. It wasn't like, oh, it's like, oh, this is a thing that could be happening to. Oh, this is real. Yeah, we kind of went in from like, whoa, we're tangentially like touching some crazy stuff to like, we're the only ones doing anything about it. <laughs> you know, Anyone that I, I I think from our perspective, right? Obviously, as we reach out now, we're finding out more and more people have already been doing stuff, and perhaps just need a a grander scale of coordination, right? We are the in between, and I I think that's what the narrative's taking is we're going to become the glue, and we're going to become like we're coordinating these large scale efforts uh, across nations and and the continent, um to bring together, you know, individual rebellions and factions and militaries and make them all work together. Um, and of course, with that, you're going to get tonal shifts. You can't have your lighthearted, you know, yeah. kooky, ah, let's all go to the bar and we'll have a, oh, oh somebody's going to have a little drink out while we're waiting for the end of the world to happen. And did we have, <laughs> make sure that they got their army supplies? And yeah, yeah. So it, it may also have something to do with the fact that you're higher level now, like not to, not to become Spider-Man and like with great power comes great responsibility, but like when you're, when you're low powered, there's an, an idea that like, okay, well our plot is a grand world shaking plot and we are level two. Like what can we do about that? And at yeah. some point you kind of wake up after a long rest and you're like, dang, my character, she's looking pretty long. I might be able to do something about this. And so then it's like, okay, well now I'm going to dive into like the, you know, I'm no longer collecting clues. I'm now ready to like do something about it. And you know, and I'm going to kind of yeah. dive in and start to, I'm going to start doing the fights. And maybe this is sort of like, 
you know, okay, well now we're starting to do the fights with the real bad guys instead of the lackeys. And like, you have to kind of try your strength and figure out like, where does the, you know, what is this, which things are big, scary, which things can we take? How do we approach it? Um, so maybe there, there's some of that in it as well. Um, what, what about boons? Um, let's talk about that, that boon change. So like before we had chat casting spells, now we have chat granting boons, which are positive tweaks on a scene that don't resolve the tension. Um, what, what are your opinions? I like the way we do it now. I think having like specific spells is like way too specific for, and like it can really mess with the flow of a scene. Um, if chat just like is willy dilly about it, I, I, most of the time they're thoughtful, but I think having boons just leaves it open more for creativity and it can fit, fit more broadly into the, I will say I, I, it, it does come with a trade-off, right? Um, yeah. I, I think part of what we try to sell is that chat interactivity, right? And the boons give that, but with layers, right? And we're kind of obscuring that visible interaction by interpreting it either as the DM would interpret it or as the players interpreting it. So instead of being... I affected it. I gave tools to someone else to affect it. Right. It's like indirect. Right. Which on one hand helps balance it, right? And make it more believable and less jarring when all of a sudden random spell out of nowhere when a magicless world does something. But on the other hand, it does mean that it, it gives the chat less oomph in their abilities, but I mean, like, it's give or take, right? You, you can't have a balanced chat interaction and, and give them ultimate freedom at the same time. Yeah, that's true. And I remember a particular session. It was one of the ones where we split the party in the dark site, um, the one with the darklings, where yeah. chat kept casting unknown servant or unseen servant. And they were like really memeing on the group where it was like someone was trying to light a fire and unknown servant or unseen servant kept like putting it out again or something like that. And it was like that for like six rounds or something. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely, I, I think making it more vague helps structurally, right? In a meta narrative. Helps from a sto- storytelling perspective. Right. Um, yet again, depending on like what group of, of Twitch you're on, what side of Twitch you're on, some people like that is the draw. Is right. screwing with the people that you're watching. Yeah, people who are 23 and a half years old are really into that. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a very specific number, Josh. Well, it, it, you that know. We had a specific troll in our chat who kept saying that. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Um, um, when it, uh, okay, Willow's put another comment. I think yeah. it's a great observation, actually, yeah. When it was a comedy, the boons were comical, and now that it's more serious, the boons are more serious. I, I, I think that's true. Like, the boons have evolved with our narrative, um is it i don't think there's any way for us to to address the like lag between boons and the scene though right like between twitch and chat um no so when when um chat we're going to talk about shadow walker next because that's a great observation and that was that was a big twist um but when when chat casts a boon it pops up in my activity feed And I, so I see it not quite instantaneously, but like within five or 10 seconds of when, when chat do it. But 
if you, the players, are in the middle of doing something, like I try my best to never interrupt players. So if you're in the middle of something or if we've already determined an outcome and we're waiting for the players to decide the next fork in the road, those are the two times when I'll wait on a, on a boon. Like if we've already resolved a problem and now you're trying to decide what to do next, I don't want to spend the boon and then you decide to do something totally unrelated to it because then chat's like, well, that didn't pay off. So I wait. And the other time is if we're in combat and we're like going through a round of combat or something, if you know, the enemy's turn has already ended, then I might wait until the enemy's next turn to apply a boon or I might, you know, something like that. So there, there is a a little bit of a lag in the story that way, but it's because I'm waiting for the opportunity to insert the boon in a way that doesn't make me no and like we talk about, you know, improv and, and D and D and a lot of that relies on a philosophy called yes. And where everything that's already happened must have happened. And so sometimes a boon is presented after we've just said yes and haven't said and yet. And for me to use that boon to like negate the yes, like the bad guy didn't do that. That becomes a no. And it's like, yes, actually no. And when we're at least for me, when I'm in theater of the mind and I'm managing multiple details at once, like maybe multiple bad guys or something like that, it's really hard for me to mentally follow a no. Cause I have to like make a U-turn and go back and then figure out what they all want to do next again and then do it. Yeah. So some of that is just a limitation of my own brain power as well. Yeah. Um, so chat does also point out our last boon outed shadow Walker, which is pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. How are we feeling about shadow Walker? Wow. I love Shadow Walker. I think it's so funny. I I miss He's the comic relief. I miss Shadow Walker. All right. I'm I'm, I'm going to be honest. I I he may have been a soul-eating, you know, corruption, uh unholy abomination. But he was um, my abomination. But yeah, he was my <laughs> abomination that was solely trying to consume even my own soul when I tried to attach him to my leg. And you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, I am happy that my soul didn't get eaten and that we kind of figured that out. That was earth shattering to me just to figure out that like, oh, yeah, this little kooky. It was, it's another thing of like, oh, kooky. And I, I guess that's why I forgot about it, because I'm like, this is a nice little kooky object that I'm just going to. I like kooky today. Did you figure that out? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Kooky object that I'm like, oh. I like cookies pretty much every day. <laughs> kooky not cookie <laughs> gosh no uh i thought it was just an object right like that was just a little funny i got this little shadow walker somebody to play off of something to make josh have to stop in his footsteps and think about what would shadow walkers say when i want to mess with josh yeah and <laughs> little did i know that he had to give some thought to it because <laughs> you know shadow walker had ambitions and plans uh little to my knowledge <laughs> to kill everything yeah uh, turns out shadow walker appeared in that tower as a role on a complication table <laughs> yeah not as a benefit um <laughs> so i i'm uh happy that he's gone and not so happy he's gone because you know he was pretty awesome but now they look back upon it he was also a little op and maybe that came with a trade-off that i didn't know about and perhaps that was the trade-off was my soul potentially being at risk. So that which just, like for a big sword, old. is that worth it? That might be worth it. I I, I was debating <laughs> it at the moment. If it wasn't if if other people hadn't made my decision for me, I might have kept them. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I might have been like, mm, I'll deal with it later. 
uh, you yeah. know, yeah, just like other nations dealing with their economic policy, I, it's kick it down the road. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the benefits are now. <laughs> Sc- <laughs> screw problems later. So speaking of taking things down the road, segue, huh? Speaking oh, of taking things huh? down the road, let's talk about what's coming next because we've decided to split uh, the founders. Josh, yeah? Before we move on, I okay. did just think of like a, I don't know if it's a ruling thing, but just like a, a topic that was of, of hot debate. Sure, let's talk about at it. At the start of this arc. The uh, the 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 name stealing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the that's a combination of two. Well, go ahead. I'll let you talk first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at least to me, like, I think it's a good, like, it's a fun idea, and you hear it whenever anyone like talks about the Fey. But I think, like, practically and mechanically, like, we need sort of that rule set because we don't have any basis for something like this just to go off of. I will just simply add on to that. I think there was some miscommunication and I I think either way it could have been resolved with perhaps some better communication. Uh, I know we were asking the wrong questions a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which didn't help. We didn't know what questions to ask. Yeah. We, we, we assumed I think we made some assumptions and they weren't we weren't figured out until much later. And I, I know that that was weighing on Josh. It was just like, can these people just stop? <laughs> like there so I, I've analyzed this a whole lot because whenever yeah. um big mistakes happen at the table, I try and make sure they don't happen to us again. Um the I think the first like big breakdown is that I did not present the the mechanic to you in a written form as well, so that you could just look it up when you weren't sure which I have since changed. And every time we introduce a homebrew mechanic, I do write it up and send it to the players. Um, But I think that would have answered every question every time. If I had just done that from the start, it would have been really clear and easy for you to follow. So that's one thing that's like just a hundred percent my fault um, is that I didn't communicate very well how it worked in the world in a way that was like repeatable and easy to track down and figure out how it worked. Um, And I think the second thing is that um, okay, so I've got three, really. The The second thing okay. is that I think um, we got very sidetracked on how do we fix it, and Fey contracts don't really get fixed. Like, things that yeah. happen in the Fey are generally an entire quest away from fixing, and I feel like some of the players really latched onto the idea of, like, there's got to be a simple way to reverse this. And then it kept getting yeah. brought up, and it was like, but but we don't even understand the mechanic much less how to fix the mechanic. And the third yeah. thing is that even though um, the way that, it, like the way I presented it is the way that I, went, before you went into the Feywild and met with Andromeda, I spent about a week reading books and listening to podcasts and looking up write-ups and trying to figure out the Feywild in as broad a term as I could so that I could get like the most easily latched onto concepts, like what's in the Feywild every time. And yeah even though the way I pitched it is the way it worked in the Feywild every time, I should have built the mechanic the way that's much easier to understand, which is that everyone forgets who Zoth is rather than separating your name from your legacy. So it's like, you still did that stuff, but you don't have your name anymore. That is how it works in the Feywild. It's kind of like Link in, um, uh, is that Majora's Mask when he goes back in time? Um, the the one where Link becomes like a little Link and no one knows who he is anymore and they're all upset about it. To the past. Uh, yeah, like in it's a Legend of Zelda or, game. Or, but anyway, or Ocarina. Uh, sorry, Ocarina, Ocarina of, time. of Time. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. 
my wife just yelled down the stairs. It's Ocarina of Time, um, where he starts out, he's like self-actualized Link, and then he goes back in time. He's still Link. He still did all those cool things, but nobody knows he's Link anymore. Um, that's the that's the myth that just happened to you. Um, does he know he's Link? Yeah, he knows, but nobody else does. Um, nope. But the way I should have pitched it is just everyone forgets who Zoth is and doesn't remember anything Zoth did. So it's like you nope. become a faceless entity and like you have to reintroduce yourself to the party. In the moment, I was like, once something had happened and I realized that yeah. I should have done it the other way, it was too late because I I try to, again, I try not to know yeah. and at the table because it invalidates canon. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, this already happened. It's part of the story now. Eventually, we did have to invalidate the canon and just yank it away. Um, I figured out much, much later, like two day, two or three days ago, I figured out the what ultimately should have happened because I happened to be listening back to that stream. The way it should yeah. have happened is that in the dream sequence when you lost your name and we saw Andromeda shut her book and pull out a new book, it should have got your name and your legacy should have gotten filed in her library and the quest to get it back yeah. should have been that you had to rob her, like break into her library and steal Zoth's book, like the story of his life back. But I didn't or think of it and it didn't happen and that's that's what happened. That would have been cool. That would have been that yeah. would have been our, our a side quest. I, that would have been a cool side quest. I I helped in ruining that, so I apologize. Oh, me too. Uh, I think it was a group effort. I don't I don't <laughs> think any of us effort. can be like I was not involved in in this becoming bad. <laughs> yeah. But we made it like sixty sessions without having a big fight about the rules at the table, and most D and D campaigns don't make it ten without a big fight about <laughs> the rules at the table. So True. I think that was pretty good. You know. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a D and D rule we could reference. Like it wasn't we were arguing about the the interpretation of well, something. Yeah. It was like uh, something we were building. It was yeah. I definitely think we made a, a mountain out of a molehill on accident there. And by the yeah. time it became obvious, it was a little too late. But yeah. I, enough about the past. Ooh, into the future. Let's talk about. Look at that segue. The future. You got some good segue foo going on over there. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, we are moving into a number of sort of micro stories because the founders have decided to split ways in a, dis- in a discussion where like there are, um, two different kind of quests happening simultaneously. All two of them. Um, all so two all two remaining founders. <laughs> oof. That, uh, that hurts to say, um, <laughs> two guys, ventures and vibes. Well, I mean, they, they might be able to get the third guy back and <laughs> maybe Radford gets hired. I don't know. Um, or maybe they hire some, you know, like there's, there's a chance to hire a fourth guy still. Isn't Radford an employee? Radford's an employee, but he's not like a top okay. level employee. Yeah. Um, he has, Radford's yeah. be promoted, not hired. He's also yeah. like right now he's just there temporarily. Cause Radford is really just using four guys to get to Outland who he wants to go look at his cool broken airship. Um, he like, he's not really committing in the long term to four guys at the moment. Um, but He's maybe like, be going through trauma with you will be, you know, sometimes hey guys, that's enough. I know um, your friend died and all, and you're, you're all <laughs> trying we, to kill the Abolith, but like, can you check out heard, my cool ship? Like, <laughs> it's like, I see that you just got in an accident, but I can't help but notice you drive a pickup. I'm moving this weekend. And I was wondering if, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so the first of those stories that we're going to do is we are going on a caper-themed adventure with Fox. 
Um, we're going to really lean into the like cool heist gang mechanics and I, you know, and, and kind of pull some of those tropes out and, and whatever. And so we've built some like mechanics to land on top of D and D to make it feel more like an oceans 11 or a Sly Cooper, um, type of heist and caper. And we last, last week we made characters for it, except Trevor wasn't here. So, uh, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to actually make Trevor's character to recap. Uh, let's talk about the characters we already know we have. So we know that we've got Fox and Fox is leading the caper crew. Everyone else. The premise here is that yeah, the Mike and it has gone out and hired people to help Fox with his heist. So, um, whoever, whatever character you make, it needs to be a character whose backstory is like, you know, when yeah meets with this person, he would deem them trustworthy for the quest. Um, but beyond that, like we have, so Fox is kind of like the mastermind, like, you know, the guy who sort of develops the cool big plan and maybe the front run, like the con man, you know, like the face, um, the, the, the dude who's got the bow tie on at the dinner party and is walking in. Yeah. Um, we've also got, I'm go mission ahead. impossible, man, mission impossible, man. <laughs> I'm mission You're impossible. Tom Cruise. I, 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 my, my character's played by Tom Cruise. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, we've also got Jake is playing a character named Gunner. I think Jackson is his last name, but Gunner is, I mean, we're going to call him Gunner. Gunner is a demolitionist. Um, nice. so he's, I believe he's, um, a rogue, but Gunner's Gunner is a guy who likes to play with explosives. And, you know, make big bangs and noises and things. And so he's maybe a little bit of like the muscle too, in terms of like, I can be the beefy guy, scares people away. He's a hematician. He's a big old rock guy. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. We've got Wash is playing um, FP62, which is another callback to the the short miniseries that Trevor ran. FP62 yeah, is a contra- construct the whole way back from the season one finale in the season one finale where we found the Aboleths underneath Tumbleweb and we broke into the sort of underground facility where they were building their robot armies. Um, there was this big fight with a bunch of the constructs who were like pulled off the assembly line. So they weren't fully built, but they were like called into action to try and stop four guys, ventures and vibes. And in that fight, several of them were damaged. And so FP is one of these damaged constructs where the idea is that he was like basically hit in the control module by some kind of magic-y shrapnel. So like they have those batteries that they've been putting magic energy into. Maybe one of those blew up or something. But the shrapnel disconnected FP-62 from his like programming or, or it kind of jittered his programming. And so he no longer works for the Abolets. He's just like this random construct. He's like, I don't know. I got here. I'm just, I'm just FP six two. And, um, at some, at some point in his travels, FP six two was told to get a life and that's become his quest. Like he wants to figure out what exactly is a life. He's got like a a little journal of mannerisms and things that people do when they have a life. And on that list was get a job. Like people who have a life have a job. So he went to work for four guys, ventures and vibes and got a job selling burritos um, on behalf of four guys, ventures and vibes. This is another callback to Trevor's mini session, the great bean heist where um, some four guys delvers are just mercenaries who got hired for a side quest, but they were played by some of our esteemed viewers. Um, went and basically found this cool magic bean in a cave and recovered it. And they're now able to use it as a recipe uh, or as part of a recipe to sell their magic bean burritos, which are like a big hit in Gaim and has helped them financially establish poor guys. So, um, so FB 62 is the burrito bot. Um, Wait a minute. But yes, I just realized, you know, a lot of like, you know, we know the Italian police down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, 
we all know they ain't just selling pizzas. It's a front for the for the mob, <laughs> yeah. right? No, no, no. Instead of it being the front, it, it, it's the equivalent of being like, oh, that pizza place down the street. Yeah, no, it funds the mafia. That is <laughs> that is where they get their money from. That is how they're able to do everything. It's like I like to think four guys is a front for the burrito cart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what? sorry, um, that was just. No, that's fine. So FP six two, I believe, is is going to kind of fill like the hacker trope um and the and the searcher trope so the searcher in there's an actual website called tv tropes viewers where you can go to like learn about um like what are the common tropes in genres and things like that is that on a caper crew what's up is that like in today's generation is tv tropes still relevant like i know it's still updated and constantly they're still doing modern media i don't know if like the website is relevant but like um, but anyway, so the the hacker is, I mean, that's a pretty obvious one. It's your guy in the chair. Um, and there's also the the searcher is kind of the other role that we were thinking um, FP kind of fits into. We've been talking about this offline. The searcher is the one who like gets the ball rolling. So they kind of like, they might sneak in and identify like hot spots or key areas in the target building and then come back out so they can form a plan. Or um, the, the scout. Right. Um, or as a as a hacker, um, he might be able to use some of his like, well, he was a construct built by the Aboleths. Maybe his antenna still works or something. And he can like kind of listen in on some of their radio communications. But it takes some sort of skill check for him to tap in now or I don't know, something like that. So the, those are kind of the roles that Wash says he envisions um, FP62 fitting into. Um, knowing that, Trevor, let's talk about the character you want to make. Um, you can yes. pick. You can obviously play any character you want as long as it would make sense for yeah to hire them. Um, but I am using your chosen tropes to build my complication tables. So just bear that in mind. I'm sorry. Every time I'm looking over at the stream and the corner of my <laughs> eye, just seeing like Trevor move, and he's <laughs> it's like, yes, the collective, like <laughs> the collective will decide our fate. Absolutely. The council of Trevor. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, 100%. Sorry. All three of my personalities together at once. Horrifying. Uh, but, but no, the, the tropes I was thinking of were um, driver and fixer. So um, driver is pretty self-explanatory. He's going to uh, drive the drive them in, drive them out, you know, in the getaway car. Um, I was thinking um, it'd be kind of funny if like part of his i haven't i haven't like thought about his backstory at all but um he like won like cypher truck rally races or something like maybe cypher truck races are a thing and like he he's he's the current champion of them or maybe he's a minecart racer Ooh, call the minecraft i didn't even think of those that's kind of fun uh cool okay so i like that and then talk to me about the fixer what is it what does it mean for him to be a fixer so, uh, no snail racer, giant snail racer. <laughs> it's turbo fastest snail around. Chat suggests a giant snail racer. I love it. Um, but the fixer is like someone who can always produce like whatever item or object that the party needs. So he's like always the person who's like, I know a guy, I know a guy who knows a guy. I have a family member who has this thing. 
So like he can always find parts for things. He can always find whatever materials are needed. Oh, so like if um, Fox is like, we need to go in through the roof. The fixer is the guy who's like, I can get a grappling hook. So like, give me two minutes, two yeah. two two days. Like, I know a guy. I can go. Yeah, in. exactly. Got it. My uncle knows a guy. He, he makes sure that the the party has all the equipment necessary. So I was thinking, he's like, uh, personality wise, he's a very like charming and charismatic person with who just has connections like everywhere or at least in the city that this is based out of wherever we're going to get supplies See, from. that's fun i like that a lot what if he's um like has some connection to randy who's like the head of cool stuff and so like maybe he and randy have worked out a number of contacts for him in in most places where it's like oh if you need something from four guys like you know this is how you get it or something like that mm-hmm that's a good idea. Having a connection to Randy. That would also give him the in for, yeah. Do you have a, a name in mind for your character yet? Um, no, but I could think of one. I mean, right. we can do it at the beginning or the end. We need to work out his race, his class, his subclass. Um, okay. And I'll, I will do the name at the end. Okay, great. So what race do you want to play? Um, if you want to play an Urada race, I can remind you what all those are. Or if uh, you want please. to play a different one, you can. What are the Urda races? I'm pulling it up right now because we have your, like your go eleven or twelve. Your rock. <laughs> uh, chat, you think he's joking, but the <laughs> dirt, dirt, goat, and rock are all of them. Uh, okay, the three there elements are the, combined. Um, there's the the rootlings, the A two, the Sapiders, the Hematicians, the Darude, the Wheatlings, the Dirt, the Goat Folk, which are kind of like centaurs. There's the winged badgers that um, Kotix made in the in the Far East. There's the beaver folk who are like a subclass of the dirt, basically, or a subrace of the dirt. And there's the... What are the dirt again? The dirt are like Jeb. Jeb is Jeb. a dirt. The mole oh. folk. Oh, right, right, right. Dirt folk. Um, yeah. And the there's like Kelnor's anointed changelings who are like just changelings, but like high, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I have stat blocks for all of life. those made. So if you if you wanted to play one of those, we could do that. And other substances. Um, I assume we're supplying in game, like like. Yeah, this is all going to start in game. So. Could I could I be a winged badger? Sure. We have we. I don't know. Seen like... a winged badger? <laughs> yeah. You haven't encountered a single winged badger in this adventure. They were only created like a handful of years before the darkening. So they've, they haven't really expanded past the point of the world where they were created. Um, where? But that doesn't mean that you couldn't play one. So I, 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 I might have been present for that. I know I was not always present because Kay came towards the end of the The Wing Badgers were in the same session as, as Kay. Okay. Where, where did they... Can we, can we get some lower drops? Where, where did they end up? Where are they... Where are they hanging out? What's going on? Luckily, I've been working on the the actual source book for the world of Urida. And so I have like the lore write-ups and stuff. Um, created in the year 11,020 by Cork, the avatar of Kotix, the winged badgers live along the eastern coast of Urida, just north of Ironcliff and Ambergard. Uh, viewers who are watching us live right now, you can't actually see Ambercliff and Ironguard, but they are like just to the bottom right of the map that you can see in our overlay. Um, it just doesn't quite reach far enough. Let me see if I have the whole map somewhere. Is the map on this one? Uh, that's not the map. No. Let me let me see if I can find the map and put it on there. Hang on. We're getting a little sidetracked, chat, but it's so you can find... I want you to be able to find things. It'll be cool if you can find things. 
Here we go. Master of sidetracking the stream Boom. is me. The world of Urida. Um, right here Yay. on the bottom right, you can see Ambercliff and Iron Guard. I know it's hard to read them when they're that small. But so Gaim is in that desert area. And then if you go southeast from there, you see Ambercliff and Iron Guard. Um, yep. So they live along the coast of Urida, just north of there, uh, in this darker green area near the river, maybe. Um, left mostly to their own devices by the world on account of the fact that they are so new, the winged badgers have very little contact with other races. In the year 11,025, a portal was created near the winged badger lands to Namedes, but it stopped functioning properly a mere five years later in the darkening. At the same time as the darkening, Setonia blessed the winged badgers with a proficiency in mining that has allowed them to turn their burrows into functional mines and begin storing up resources of their own. Winged badgers are a curious and adventurous race. They are known for their love of exploration and discovery and are always eager to learn about the world around them. They can be quite mischievous at times and enjoy playing pranks on each other and on other races. However, they are also fiercely loyal to their friends and family and will do whatever it takes to protect those that they care about. Winged badgers are highly individualistic and value personal freedom and autonomy. Autonomy. They are not inclined to follow rules or authority figures blindly and will always question the status quo. However, because of their strong sense of community, they are willing to work together with others when it benefits the greater good. Overall, Wink Badgers are a fun-loving and adventurous race, always seeking out new experiences and challenges. Whoa. Uh, so that's the the lore dump about the winged badgers. I just had um, a brain blast. It actually fits the, the, the personality I was thinking Think that's about. Cool. It. Wait, wait, wait. Brain blast. All right. Think about it. Yeah. You are a former captured like slave, like slavers found you and like, they're like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. People are going to pay a lot of money for this. And, and they caught you unawares or something. Right. And then next thing you know, you get out, you bust out. Maybe, maybe you got out in Gaim. Who knows? But either way, you're like, F this. And, and, and now you're just like, well, I guess I'm here now. I, you know, (laughs) I, I ended up here. I, it, it just, it just happens. I guess I'm in Gaim. And you just <laughs> made the most of your life up until the, like from whenever you escaped to to now. And of course, you can fill that in as much as you want. But I just thought that would be like kick ass. Explains how you got here. And your attitude. That is a pretty <laughs> cool premise. Um, that is a good premise. Just so you know the the racial features of the winged badgers. Um, Age-wise, winged badgers typically live to be around 250 years old and reach maturity early around the age of 30. Um, Winged badgers can be found in any alignment. They range between two and four feet tall, with white wings speckled with a few black feathers that stretch out no further than four feet from their bodies. And they have a few special abilities. Uh, First, they have a burrow speed of 15 feet, and they create tunnels that are large enough for a medium-sized creature to follow behind them in single file. Next, they have a fly speed. They can fly but not hover at 15 feet of speed. If they end their turn in the air, they will fall. Um, They have dark vision 60. And thanks to the supernatural intervention of Setonia, the winged badgers have a natural inclination towards mining skill. They are proficient with pickaxes, sledgehammers, and warhammers. Um, Language-wise, winged badgers can speak common and one other language. Um. And then they have the like the Tasha's ability modifiers. So any plus two yeah. for one ability and a plus one for another ability. Okay. Hmm. Um, so yeah, if you'd like to play a winged badger, I highly recommend it. I think they're pretty awesome. I wing badger actually fits the the character archetype and personality I was planning on. That's awesome. 
Um, I have just put in the little note doc I sent you, I put a link to the winged badger stat block in case you need it later. Um, the next thing we want to work out is your class and your subclass. Do you have any ideas for that? Um, uh, probably without magic, probably rogue. Um, Hmm. and I was thinking swashbuckler, but with the backstory we proposed, I don't like, I guess swashbuckler doesn't actually mean pirate. They have to be a pirate. I just, I think swashbuckler is just like a lot of panache, right? Like they're they're just kind of swashbuckler. You could be dual swashbucklers. He He could be be great. (laughs) He just flies with his wings. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, The raider of the skies. Yeah. Um, Would he? So then he would just carry like explosives or something. Then he would drop like little bombs. Um. Let's see it here. Works, Subclass works. swashbuckler. I'm looking them um, up I right now. I can pull up. Uh, I think I have that bookmarked. I was just going to do the little lore dump for swashbucklers. Um, Where's the swashbuckler stuff? Swashbuckler, you focus your training on the art of the blade, relying on speed, elegance, and charm in equal parts. While some warriors are brutes clad in heavy armor, your method of fighting looks almost like a performance. Duelists and pirates typically belong to this archetype. A swashbuckler excels in single combat and can fight with two weapons while safely darting away from an opponent. I, I just see Trevor just shaking his head and like, yes, yes. Yes, that yes. is what a swashbuckler is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we agree. Um, so, yeah. So if you want to play a swashbuckler, you totally can. There's, um, uh, I think, well, uh, yeah, without magic, there's quite a few. Rogues uh, have a lot of cool eloquent, subclass options. I was thinking eloquence barred otherwise, but... Um, but because there's no magic be bard cool. is tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a rogue scout. I don't know if that would be a good one or not. Um, Let me look it up. There's a rogue scout. There's uh, what else do we have in surviving far from the streets of a city. Inquisitive was also interesting. Burp, 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 burp. Switching to inquisitive. <laughs> Do any of them like light you up as like, this would be fun and kind of fits with my trope and you know, like that. I was thinking a swashbuckler fits pretty well. Um, cause there's like, I'm going like, I'm doing like not a full charisma build, but like decks and then charisma basically. Okay. Because he's so, he's going to be personable to make all of the connections to be, you know, the fixer kind of guy. Like I see him, he's like someone, everyone wants to go back to the tavern to drink with. Um, Mm. I mean, it, like everyone's always always laughing around and and stuff like that. Inquisitive might be good for that. In, inquisitive would have been my guess, but you should play the rogue you want to play. So if you want to play a swashbuckler, yeah. definitely don't let me talk you out of it. Um, I I agree though. I think inquisitive would have been a good fit for that too. Um, they both would be as an um, archetypal inquisitive. You excel at rooting out secrets and unraveling mysteries. You rely on your sharp eye for detail, but also on your finely honed ability to read the words and deeds of other creatures to determine their true intent. You excel at defeating creatures that hide among and prey upon ordinary folk and your mastery of lore and keen deductions make you well-equipped to expose and end hidden evils. Um, and it looks like a lot of your abilities, uh, or your like class features cause you'll be level nine. Yeah. 
um, the class features you get up to level nine oh, level are nine. all very, yeah. Cause well, you're whatever level you are now. So only the, the main cast are leveling up. So like Fox and Radford and Owlin okay. are leveling up. And for you at the end of the sub quest, you're going to pick whichever of your characters you want to be your main, your main character. And we'll give them like, we'll oh, bump okay. them up to match the main party. So that oh, way okay. um, you're still at, at level parity with them. Yeah, I think looking at, I, I'd rather pick Inquisitive over Swashbuckler. Okay, cool. So okay. we got an, an Inquisitive, uh, Rogue Inquisitive. I'm an uh, Inquisitively smash oh, your yeah. face and got him. The, and then another <laughs> thing that I asked everyone to work out is a prior connection that links you to at least one other character in the party. If you were linked to Randy, that would that would satisfy this narrative. It was just like, what's the reason this party is going to stay together and trust each other? Because oh, like okay. in in yeah. four sessions or less, which is what I anticipate this being, I don't want us to have to like we need to go through the journey of learning to like each other the way that we did like yeah. you know in the beginning of season one. A lot of yeah. it was like learning to love each other. So, um, yeah, I'd say I guess Randy. Then uh, that's a good connection. Maybe he saw me in Minecraft races, or maybe we've we've come across each other through town because um my character is you know very personable and just is one of those people who like knows everything. which one do so. you prefer which of those i want to say that randy has like heard of just like the presence of this person in town but never met them and then saw them at minecraft races and put the face to like the personality that he's heard about does he race minecraft's like as his, like, is that his cover for why he has all the tools and gadgets and things like as the fixer? Like, is that, is that why he finds all the parts? I think when he first, um, like escaped the slavers, let's say, um, he sort of went more towards the, the underworld of the city because it's quicker money and you don't have to deal with all of the bureaucracy. So he probably like, started out of just like hey go get this for me you know working for various people and he was just the errand person and so he just learned really early on how how to find things and get things for people as quickly as possible and he built you know relationships with people and then over time he got like once he had a um a steady income he could like explore various hobbies and interests and I think, you know, being the the winged badger, being curious, he probably came across someone who was like talking about it or maybe so he would like go to a few races. Oh, that's really cool. And then like over time, get more involved in it. Um, and I love the idea that like he's won a lot, but he also can't keep a pit crew because he's so abusive to the minecart and like his, <laughs> his driving. Like he's nice to the people, it's, but he treats the gear so badly or so roughly. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we can't fix this. And he's like, yeah, you can, you do it every time. And then like the, the pit crew leaves. So he's always constantly having to refresh his pit crew. It's meant to be worked to be broken. Hey, it got me to the yeah. end, which is its job. Maybe if he filled his pit crew with actual pit crew mechanics instead of calling in favors with all of the people <laughs> he knows from everywhere, maybe they'd be more more amenable. <laughs> That's awesome. I love but, that premise. That's great. Um, and so like he has to constantly keep working and if he wants to keep minecart racing because he has to keep paying people more and more in order to be a pit crew because he's gotten the reputation for just beating up the minecarts even though he wins. Nice. All right. I'm sorry. 
I I have to say this. Josh, can you can you do me the most awesomest favor? Maybe. Can you put like can you put like a little reverb on Trevor? I just <laughs> I want the council of Trevor to have a voice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you mean like right now? I can do it in the podcast. I don't think I could do it now because I'd put it on your voice too. Oh I could put reverb on everything. <laughs> but I can't I can just I can't, shut up like, for a second. You can just be like <laughs> Uh, the ways we get sidetracked. I'm sorry. Uh, hang on one second. I'm on it. Just <laughs> you just you just hang on. Yay. Okay, Trevor, say some things. I, the council of Trevor, have deemed this. <laughs> sorry, I'm listening. I don't I just, know if it's working uh, or not. I turned it on, it but I, okay, I can't monitor it from my end. So okay, great. I'm gonna turn that. I'm gonna turn that back off, and we're gonna actually keep going with oh, our it was working what? it was working great <laughs> great <laughs> um but yeah so that's kind of what i was thinking as like a fun sort of quirkiness to him is like he's a relatively i don't want to say reckless but carefree yeah when he goes about his driving um where like he obviously knows how to drive and can protect the people in it but it might get a little beat up along the way yeah and then um, the last thing that I need before we figure out your name is in order for me to create um, situations that allow you to like grow your character because we only have a limited time. I'm sort of fast tracking my my insight into who the character is. I would like you to pick one of the following to work out for your character. It could be a philosophical question that they've always wrestled with or been unsatisfied about. It could be a visceral fear or phobia that they've never worked through. It could be a regret from their childhood that they carry with them. It could be a sweet spot or a soft spot for something. Um, or it could be like the the more standard like D&D ideal that I can challenge. Um, but I'd like for you to pick one of those so that I can use that to kind of hook you in and give your character the opportunity to grow and develop. Okay, so looking at his timeline, I would say he probably was like, taken away by the slavers like really early on in his life like maybe even before he knew his family really or could remember his family let's say um and so he grew up as like just this kind of show-off piece you know like they would just put him in a cage and let people like Like a circus freak because yeah because no one had seen a winged badger um before um and so he just like traveled around um and that's kind of, kind of like where he learned how to talk to people because he could get things from people if he was nice and like did what they wanted like sometimes they could throw food that would be better than his meals or you know throw coins into the cage which would be his only money gotcha um and so that's kind of how he learned how to how to talk to people um and then maybe he escaped the slavers in his like teen equivalent so like maybe 20s right mm-hmm. you said they mature at 30 yeah um and so he like probably i'd say he he it was in gaim and he just stayed in gaim the whole time so he like worked in the the underworld of gaim for a while like you know doing being the errand boy and just running around learning the city streets um how to how to avoid the the police um and just like fly under the radar and then make the the connections and personable 
...ness that he has, and then probably when he was an adult, he he made enough money where he could sort of break out of that life and again explore his own interests. Um, he'd say he probably has like a small shop where he's just like using that skill of he can find anything for anyone, and so like people come to him when they need something specific relatively quickly. That isn't like obvious or maybe is rarer. Chat says so his character, like his little game game hook is that he has a rational fear of slavery. (laughs) (laughs) Um so do you think like slavery is something that would like really upset him? Like is that something that would be a good like if he sees someone else who is a slave type thing? Uh yeah, he would probably feel very compelled to help them. Well that's gonna be easy to hook him in then because Jeb is enslaved by the Aboleth right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's Wait, true is that how this conversation goes when we go to like hire this man when we're just like yeah man we could really use your help uh we're looking for like this fourth and they're just he's just like listen i don't know man i got my own stuff i'm just trying to make some money and and they like heard down the streets like yo you you hate slavery though right and they're like why, why are you talking about slavery bro and you're like yo technically <laughs> our friend is enslaved <laughs> by the Abolith. And he's like, say no more, fam. <laughs> let, let me get my keys. <laughs> Chad says maybe injustice, like maybe he hates injustice just because it's a little broader than slavery. Um, but whatever whatever you want to play as, as your character, um, what do you think? Um, I don't think in, like, because I don't see him as like, the Robin Hood trying to yeah. right the wrongs of 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 the rich, um. But I understand like slavery is is slavery as a whole too specific. No, do we want more broader? No, it's just because okay. Chat asked about it, so I thought I'd suggest it and see what you thought. Okay, um, I think him, like, probably seeking to end like like that's his political active uh, activism is like like hyper against slave. Nice. Or human tra- or trafficking too, I guess. And not necessarily slaves, but uh, race traffic. Insert race here, trafficking. Right. Um. So the the last thing that we need then is we need a name for this driver slash fixer, this rogue inquisitive winged badger who was a circus freak who escaped, spent some time in the underworld, building up a huge network of contacts and skills, and is now a a somewhat like a regionally well known Minecraft racer. Um, who's going to be going along on this heist as the driver and the fixer? Um, what do, what do we name that guy? Hmm. Ferdinand is screaming to me. Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Oh. Got to watch that. All right. Yeah. Does he have a nickname like Ferdinand Blah? Last name? Does he have like a like a racer name or something? He's not an archduke, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not an archduke. Okay. Um. Let's see. What would his race? Um. Uh, let me think of a last name first, okay. and then we'll come back to that. Um, Ferdinand. Hmm. I mean, I guess he might not even know like a last name, or I guess he would have picked one, or someone would have given him one when he like mm. was officially registered in the city. Yeah. So probably be. Go ahead. Um, Rocksworth. Rock what? Rocksworth. What? Rocksworth. Rocksworth. He's worth rocks. Because he was probably, like, filing for, like, his shop, you know, because he was, like, 
trying to be above the books. And so he's like, Ferdinand. And they're like, and last name. And he's like, uh, uh, looking around and we're in Gaim. So he saw a rock and just needed to flavor it. Nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess. I'm thinking of like the middle school child inside of me was just like, yeah, worth a lot of rocks. God. Yeah. Chad says if he had a line of sneakers in Walmart, it would be his Furta brand. Heck yeah. Okay. Um, so his racer name would be the bruiser because he always bruises his minecart. Starting in the sixth position, Ferdinand the Bruiser Roxworth. I like it. That's then, a that's a ooh. name. Then his under underground name or like like street name would be uh probably Seeker. Seeker? Yeah. Cause he finds stuff. Ferdinand the Bruiser Seeker Roxworth. <laughs> there we go. Ooh. <laughs> Chat Furtican. says if he stores lots of produce for later, they would be furtican. <laughs> if he gives someone, if he if he aids somebody on their quest, he would be giving them a fur to hand. <laughs> <laughs> the I can play this game too. <laughs> the is happening for and also for like more connections. It's very possible that anyone from four guys could have requested stuff like him to find something for them or randy could have come to him or sent someone to him gotcha to find things for he's four our guys, like, man so maybe he knows yeah. F, like maybe he knows fp as well like fp for his burrito stand maybe you know for whatever reason they've yeah. run across each other too he would definitely have gotten burritos several times yeah he's the guy who can find anything so if he needs a good burrito yeah. he knows how to find it you go to fp's burrito exactly. cart and <laughs> you exactly. you'll get it i love that so FP and him probably have like a just like a casual relationship where like they always he probably visits FP a lot for burritos. Cool. Um, That's his favorite food now. Let's let's jump to the next piece then, which is talking about the actual mechanics of our caper games um, now that Ferdinand exists. And I have I did send you both a link. Um, It's in in Bali um, to like the notes for tonight. Okay. and on that note sheet, the, the the mechanics we're talking about are there. I'm going to read them and stuff for chat. I just figured it might be easier since you guys are helping write them. It might be easier to have the text in front of you. But basically, um, D&D was not really built for like the clever 5D chess type plan. It was built for like, we're going to dive into dungeon and cook in the door and beat up the monsters. So I'm trying to build a couple of things into our game that will let it be more like that Sly Cooper Ocean's Eleven multifaceted heist. And it turns out there's a lot of great games that already exist that do this. So really all I've done is take my favorite things from those games and bring them over here. Um, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today uh, is those those kind of pieces. And the big component is flashbacks. Um, but basically the way that this is, this is going to work, or at least the way we're going to try making it work, because we're going to test it tonight and see if we still like it. Um, but the, the way this works is we're going on capers. So each session will revolve around a heist or a caper, which is, um, it, it has four pieces. There's a goal or a target, right? So like clues about Jeb might be the goal. Um, the, that thing, that target is in a location. So like right now we know it's that fortress at the Umbral Sea is where the clues about Jeb will be because that's the last place we knew where Jeb was. Um, that location has some inhabitants, like it might have villains or it might have civilians or it might have a mix of both. And stuff might go wrong, which causes complications. And nothing's going to change about our complications because we already have a mechanic for that. And it's great. 
So the, the caper ends or the session ends when you've like gotten your target and escaped or been captured. Um, and that's pretty much how the session ends. Um, we're going to start at the heist because most good heists have like weeks or months or whatever of pre-planning and that's really boring to watch. So instead of making you actually pre-plan, I'm going to give you some prior information and then you're going to get to use flashbacks to make it look like you used it. So um, the the prior info, well, let's, sorry, I'm getting out of order here. Let's back up. A session flow. Each game that we play or each night, we're going to start by establishing how you approach the problem. The opening hook, you know how in our sessions we do like that little bit of time and then I go, and you know what that means, and we play the bumper and introduce ourselves? That time is going to be spent for you to establish your heist. So it's going to give you a chance, not me, to decide how you're going to approach your problem. Like how are we going to get the target and go in the location and do the thing? Um, You'll get to basically like popcorn off one another to set the stage. So like Fox as your mastermind will probably go first and he'll say something like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm going into the building and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find the door to the bank vault. And then he'll say, what's, you know, someone else doing and someone else gets to say, so maybe Gunner's like, all right, I'm outside planting an explosive for our escape and, you know, stuff like that. So everybody gets to establish themselves somewhere. Um, then we do the bumper and introduce ourselves and then we'll zoom in on one character and start playing out the heist. So we'll, it'll, it'll be like sort of normal D and D in terms of you'll have a situation, you'll get to do stuff. We'll do some role playing. We'll see what happens. And then we might complicate things. The, the thing that makes it more heisty is that you'll be able to summon flashbacks. Um, this is the actual mechanic that's changing. Basically you'll have a pool of like resources, which Jake wants us to call oceans so that if you have 11 of them, you would have your oceans 11. Um, (laughs) but you'll, you'll have they're they're basically PowerPoints or flashback points or whatever. And each point represents a skill check in a flashback. So let's say, um, I I have some examples here. Like FP62 is sneaking into a building. He looks around the corner into the main lobby and realizes that everybody is wearing a certain uniform. FP decides he's going to have a flashback to yesterday morning when he went to the dry cleaners to pay for an employee's dry cleaning to obtain that uniform. Um, Now, I would tell him that in order to find a uniform that fits properly, it's going to take a while, so you need to roll an investigation check. So FP rolls an investigation Um, it's important to say that you always succeed on your flashbacks. So when you're rolling, what we're really deciding is, is there a complication or not? FP is going to get the dry cleaning uniform, even if he rolls a nat one, but something might, there might be a complication with that. So FP rolls a six on his investigation check and that costs him one flashback point. Um, I'm going to tell him that, well, because he rolled poorly, it takes him several tries to find dry cleaning in the proper size. And the cleaner is starting to get suspicious that you're like, oh, wait, that's not actually my dry cleaning. Can can you show me all the other dry cleanings? Um, FP can choose to leave if he wants to, but it might get reported. So FP decides, you know what? I'm going to bribe the guard instead. And he rolls a persuasion check. And this time he gets a 15, which is an easy success. So he deducts a second ocean or a flashback point from his pool. And we pop back into the present where FP reaches into his duffel bag and pulls out the uniform that he's totally had with him the whole time because of his flashback. So that's a way that it like it comes into the present circumstance and gives you an opportunity to like, oh, yeah, this is totally part of our plan. Like we've been prepping this thing for weeks. We, we know exactly what to do. 
Um, you can also use it because you can summon a flashback at any time. You can summon it on someone else's turn. So like, here's another example. Gunner's in combat with a guard. On the guard's turn, the guard picks up a radio and starts yelling into it for backup. As soon as Gunner sees him lifting up that radio, he can interrupt me while I'm talking. He can go, hey, hey, I'm having a flashback. I'm having a flashback. I remember I did something about this. And he says that, uh, oh yeah, yesterday I wired some explosives to the radio tower outside so that the radio wouldn't work. Um, now that's going to be pretty difficult to do. He's going to need a stealth check to infiltrate. He'll need a survival check to rig the explosives, a stealth check to hide the explosives from maintenance so he can trigger them later. Um, and then another stealth check to escape. So maybe Gunner rolls all of those. That's like four points. So he spends his four points. He rolls all those and he passes most of the checks, but he rolls poorly to hide his explosives. He decides that rather than risk maintenance finding them, he's going to need to find a way to distract them. So he'll spend an additional flashback point and he'll break something else on his way out of the compound, something that looks like it'll take a while to fix. Um, he rolls an investigation check to find that something else, but he rolls poorly again. Now, remember, he still succeeds. He finds something that looks important that he's going to break, but because he rolled poorly, I tell him, you're not sure it's going to take all day to repair. Maintenance might fix it halfway through the day. Gunner decides he's going to risk it, and we return to the present. Gunner gets to detonate his explosive, and the radios go down, preventing the guard from calling for help. Um, so that's that's a, another way that you could use one, where it'd be on someone else's turn. Um, hmm. Could you involve other party members in the flashback? Um, yeah, I don't see any reason you couldn't. It would just be like, remember, for every skill check that's used, it's going to come out of your, your flashback points. Okay. So um, that would be the only piece of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you okay. could involve other party members and that would be fine. I think that in a flashback where you involve somebody else, it would all come out of your pool of points. So like each character okay. has 11 oceans or whatever to use. Um, if you summon Fox into your flashback, just so that Matt or Cleo's not like, Oh no, now I don't get to do my own flashbacks. Like, you know, the, any skill check you yeah. make him make is going to, is going to come out of your points. Okay. Um, Bye. so go ahead. You're opening, you're opening something up there. I'm just saying the ability to like triple what a character does. Not well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could be like in my flashback, this character <laughs> also did all of this on my flashback. And well, it like, means if how if Trevor runs out of points, he can't have Fox do anything because right. it's got to be Trevor's points that right. get used for that. I'm just saying, like, if if that were to happen, right, perhaps. Well, if someone you'll just have to decide out, as players to not them. abuse the system so the story's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's um, tough. <laughs> so, again, so you have this pool of oceans that I think is going to be like for each heist, I want them to reset so that you can, like, I want you to spend them. I don't want you to be like, oh, we need to hoard yeah. them for our next, you know, the next session. So, I think each heist that you do or each caper, you get your new oceans. And the way that you can get points is there, there are three ways to get points. So your pool of oceans resets the beginning of each caper. Um, the way that that works is each caper requires at minimum three days of prep. That's how you're going to get the information I give you at the beginning of the session. Um, that okay. comes with 10 points or 10 oceans or whatever. So you start with 10 every time. You can choose to spend additional days on your prep. So if you think this caper is going to go really, really wrong, you can be like, hey, we're going to spend five extra days preparing. And then for each day that you spend preparing, you get to add to your pool of oceans. You can roll a D4 plus your proficiency bonus and add that to your oceans. Um, and the other way that you can get oceans is chat can bestow them upon you with points. Ooh. So if you're in the middle of a session and things are looking hairy and you've spent all your points, 
um, instead of instead of causing a boon immediately, chat can instead give you the ability to up your flashback pool, and then you can cause boons um, on command. The reason that I like this for for chat instead of boons is that it gives the opportunity, like it's going to make them all matter rather than chat like, oh, yeah. I cast a boon and then it it wasn't really relevant or something like that. So um, cool. I think that would like be cool. It. Um, how do you feel? We're, we're kind of building this mechanic. How do you feel about those numbers? Like, or should we just test it at those, those numbers and then I, decide later? I have to, it really depends on like the encounters and like how much we'll need to right. fiddle with them. Um, the, the goal here and all of the games that the one unifying thread through every heist themed game that I looked at is that they all focus more on the narrative and less on the, the mechanics. So our yeah. goal is to make this a really lightweight, like, okay, you roll some skill checks, you spend some points, we're back in the present doing the cool heist. Um, and that's yep. kind of what I focused on. So that's the that's the flashbacks. And for now, we'll just leave that how it is and say, we're going to test it that way. Um, the other thing I'm going to give you is at the beginning of each session, or at the be- I mean, if you go really fast, we might do like three heists in a session. I just think that's really unlikely. But um, at the beginning of each heist, I'm going to give you some prior information because like I said before, you've spent at least three days preparing this is going to be a super low key evening since half of our party didn't show up. So, <laughs> that's okay. I, most of the work tonight is Trevor's job. This is going to be a super low key evening since half of our party didn't show up. So, <laughs> that's okay. I, most of the work tonight is Trevor's job. So, you know, there is that. Um, tonight, Trevor's going to make a new character. We're going to talk Ooh. about the past little mini arc of Wing Badger Tavern, the tumultuous events of the Laredith arc, if you will. We're going to talk about the next mini arc of the Wing Badger Tavern, and uh, we're going to maybe do a practice run of some new mechanics. I'm not sure we're going to actually do that with only two of you, but maybe we'll try it. It might still be super fun. Um, it might even be a better way to play test it with just two of you. So... Um, that might work great. It looks like all three Trevor's headphones broke at the same time, so I'm going to give them a second to just arrange things here. here. I am joined tonight by a full party of players. We've got um, Matt, who's not Matt, who's Cleo. Uh, say hi. Hi. Uh, and we've got Trevor. Say hi. Hi. And then we have Trevor. Hello. And then there's also Trevor. It's me. And that's our party tonight. So for those of you listening on Spotify or whatever, I because two of our players are missing, I just added Trevor's screen capture to the other two spots in our overlay. So it's just all Trevor's and a Cleo. Uh, so that's fun. Um, and a Josh. Yeah, I'm here too. You're right. I'm Josh, Wing Dodger Game Master. That's me doing the things. Um, let's start by talking about the past few sessions, uh, the, the dark times, if you will. The um, what I guess you could call the Laredith arc. Since the last tavern talk, we've had the one where the rod fights back, the one where Zoth hangs in the balance, and the one where the founders part ways. So really, the whole thing has revolved around Zothkug. Um, Interesting. And not in necessarily the best of ways. How are we feeling? Talk about. Okay. Talk to me about your emotions. <laughs> can, I, can I just put this out here? All right. First of all, I'm offended. All right. <laughs> I'm feeling offended because. You started the stream. Not only did you go live, that's normal, but you started the stream before eight o'clock. And I like having my pre stream wrong doctor time. (laughs) Have you looked at the time? It's eight o'clock. Well, it's eight o'clock now, but (laughs) tradition. 
Uh, Tradition <laughs> demands that we stop. Hang on, we're going to stop the stream and waste about 10 minutes of your time. No, and then no, we'll no. come back to how we're feeling it's about the past. It's too late. The magic's gone. Oh, okay. Well, I will instead tell you about my feelings about I ruin everything the I last know. three <laughs> sessions. Nothing hurt quite as much as this moment. Well, I, I will say... Minutes. What what hurt more was uh the the turn that this arc had turned into. It was supposed to be a whoa. We we show up. Uh, we got Laredith in tow, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out what's going on in Gaim. You know, it's it's a bit of a welcome back party to like you know we we left Gaim in charge of yeah 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 yep 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 that's all folks. Uh, we left yeah in charge of our Gaim headquarters, and we kind of just let it go. I think we only saw a brief touch of that with our one offs. Did we ever air those yet? Um, the the adventurous squad we we sent the like the the, the side delve thing yeah. No, there wasn't a there wasn't a gap in our upload schedule for it. So I was thinking of doing it between seasons, maybe. Oh, okay. So yeah, you guys on Spotify haven't seen that, but if you're if you were watching it live, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. The Great Bean Heist. The Great Bean Heist. That's the only time we've really touched base. So this is our first time touching base since that, right? And so that's supposed to be all it was. And next thing you know, tragedy strikes right after a tragedy, and I'm not okay with it. Fox is not okay with it. I'm upset. I I have to I have to agree that my expectations did not match the reality of the the time you've spent in Gaim so far. I was really expecting it to be like a little bit more lighthearted. Like we just had a a sort of victory from the jaws of defeat in terms of rescuing Laredith. Um, we I was picturing it as like there's this victorious return to base. We'll get to play with some downtime activities. You know, we've rescued an avatar and gotten her to the safe place. So like maybe that means that we'll get some cool benefits out of that, or like maybe she'll help us invent something, or yeah, I don't know, yeah. some kind of payoff. And instead, <laughs> we get there and like almost immediately, it it all goes wrong. Did you say downtime because we are down a party member? Is that is that <laughs> where you were going yeah, with it? I'm upset. Triggers instant triggered oh <laughs> uh, but no I, I we, we you've heard it all from us but i i gotta i gotta understand how how it is from the man the myth the legend himself how's being dead how, how, how's that how's that going for uh, which trevor are you talking to all of Top, them middle or bottom oh sorry I, this is referring to the the bottom trevor Oh, okay. I, I know it's a little confusing, but I I figured, you know, Bottom Trevor would know the most. Yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly was very unexpected. Um, the dice did not help me at all. And in fact, the, the uh, main contributor to the problem. But yeah, I mean, oh, I feel sad. Yeah, take us take us into your headspace, man. I like how that was a real twist for all of us to go from this is a normal combat to Zoth is dead. Take us into your head. What what was it like? Break it down. I want to, I want to like a, a minute by minute, a second by second, a roll by roll mental breakdown of what was happening inside your head. Okay. So we're fighting, I'm fighting the scout and we trade like misses where like I fire a spell and miss, he fires a spell and misses. And we do that like two or three times. Then I get a natural one on the die. And then the, the wand starts exerting its its power over me as part of the mechanic we determined. Um, it's like trying to wrest control back 
Oof. Um, so that does some damage to me. And then I continue pursuing the bot, and I throw another attack, and I roll... Didn't I roll, like, two nat- three, two or three natural ones? You you did at least one more not one that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah. So that, that felt really bad again. And then the wand exerted more control and force. Um, and did some damage. It didn't kill me, though, which would have been completely fatal and not even given us the chance to try and res me. And then the scout, you know, did the, the finishing blow after the two uh, psychic attacks from the wand, the rot. Did he just, like, give you, like, a little kick? Like, what, what, what was the finishing basically. blow? I mean, it really was basically just a kick because you were grappling the bot and then it escaped by kicking you off it and Zoth, like, fell over unconscious. <laughs> Yeah. Um, chat makes a good point here, which is they said, what scares me is that the cred was beaten out of everyone by the scouts. I can't imagine what else the baddies have up their sleeves if this was just the scouts. Yeah. What are, what are that, your thoughts? Uh, not reassuring, definitely, that we couldn't, we could barely handle the scouts. Okay. I can't help but feel like, so this, this is the, the, the gamer in me and, and the narrative master inside of me, the genius Un- that hasn't been unleashed yet. Maybe one day. The 5D chess head, if yeah. you will. Um, <laughs> but no, like just narratively, right? Uh, you're you're in the beginning, right? Um, and you see this a lot. Uh, this is a really weird place to take this conversation. But okay. you see this a lot in strategy I'll try and play games, some music because right? it's weird and fun. <laughs> but like in a strategy game, right? You're like, oh, you're the underdogs. Um, or perhaps it's the beginning. We don't know. Like obviously the whole game's about this you know conflict but the conflict hasn't started yet we don't know and so you play the tutorial levels and it pits you up against the scouts but then the scouts throw you for a loop and then they they kick your butt and you got to work your way in and and figure out what to do and you you go from fighting against the little scouts to to upgrading from there to there so i feel like we're at the beginning right where we were just like okay we went in and we defeated uh we we got lairdith but just barely right but we didn't actually attack like a combat place this was an industrial plant right we just did a raid essentially to get lairdith now we're dealing with the real military that the baddies might have and this was their scouts and they kicked our butt right well lairdith was oh getting lairdith we had like a mini boss fight true but that was like that was upper management happened to be there Okay, <laughs> that's. <laughs> I also think, I also think with the scouts, you know, we were all one v one with the scout, whereas like we tend to operate better in like a group. I think it's worth noting that setting. your two combat specialists did both win their one v ones. I mean, that's I guess true. Alan tied. If you want to yeah. be fair with it, Alan fell unconscious at the end of his fight, but he did it during the killing blow, so it like turned out to kind of be a tie. Well, that's a little if scary. Zoss spells though. hit it. It would have gone better. I, I'm just saying, it's scary that our tank tied with a scout. All right. Yeah. Now, mind that is you, pretty was rough. He, was he full health when he did that fight? I don't remember. I think he must have been because you guys hadn't really done anything dangerous up to that point, unless maybe there was some fighting with the the bullies or the the gang, the, the Red Vipers. But I don't think that it was like a like that. The fight where the whole group was there wasn't much of a fight. It was like we snuck most of the way through. We got hit once or twice by a club, and then we left. Um, it wasn't like a, you know, a well, war of attrition like of hit group. points type thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying I, and in a, in a normal game sense, and even like story sense, this would be like, 
with the wake up call and then we go on like this the the journey of building up to improve and improve like that will become the journey that it's he, the the time where like rocky goes into the tibetan yeah. mountains and trains with the like <laughs> elder monk dude or whatever yeah now instead of that being Batman a montage you know instead of it being a montage this is our journey this is the film the film isn't like yeah. montage come back kick butt the film right. is us in the montage moment yeah, like we're yeah. basically playing the montage. Yeah, instead the, of it being a montage. probably the lowest point of the party's journey. I, I agree. This is this is a big low. I'll I'll be honest. I'd, Fox is not in it anymore. Fox is going back for Jeb not because he sees him vital for the campaign or you know the fight the big bad, but because Fox wants to do this for Fox. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Fail. Fox has to go on his own journey. Could you? To, could to, we? To... Could we argue that that means Fox is the most in it he's ever been? Like, yeah. if doing the quest is now like this is just what Fox wants for Fox. Like, that's like a hundred percent buy-in, right? Oh, for for this part of it, yes. I'm just saying. I'm worried. Like, fail or success. I I don't know what's gonna happen after. Oh, you think Fox is gonna like hang it up after this? I I think it's in. It, it's in the, the multiple toll. branching timelines. It's it's a strong mm. contender. It all Fox depends. Has, Fox has definitely felt the most trauma in, yeah. in my like. I think Owlin had a low point with the Macar thing, but the whole time he had his friends there to support him, and he kind of came out on the other side with like, "I've made a positive change in my life." And I feel like Fox has had like two or three big traumas in a row without any opportunity to like catch his breath or process his trauma and his friends who are supposed to be a support network keep leaving. Like Jeb got not leaving him, but like, you know, right. Jeb got fell behind with the Abolets. And then he was like, well, at least I've got Zoth who like, you know, he doesn't always have the best relationship with, but he's known him the longest. And then Zoth dies like minutes later, like narratively speaking, like minute, yeah. if, it, if it was a movie instead of a D and D campaign, Zoth made it like three extra minutes of screen time and then died. <laughs> and, and Fox is like, well, I don't, so you're right. Like I, there's what the heck is going to happen with Fox. I think maybe there's a possibility that like Fox and Owlin find some kind of bond in the middle of their loss. Like, I mean, there's also Fox's team. You know, there's, there's a little bit of that. I, I, I think right now, critically, since Fox will not be with Alan, I think it's going to depend on how he goes with his team, right? Um, what if he builds up a relationship with his team and can't abandon them kind of thing, right? Yeah. Or is he going to do what I'm most likely thinking he's going to stick with at first, which is like, these people are just here to help me finish my objective. Right. Yeah. Right. Like they're, they're hired mercs, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, chat says that fox has to make sure zoth's sacrifice counts for something though and like make sure he makes it to the afterlife and then Ch chat says you should go talk to the merlady well okay so i was actually gonna bring that up merlady right now willow willow right is i think right now she's still fighting the good fight right where we left off and she saved her butt and I, I got a guarantee that she was safe, right? Um, I, I think part of Fox just wants to, like, she's the one last thing from his life that, you know, he, he might just go back to find her. He might go back to his parents, which I don't think he's fully processed the fact 
callback that he could do that. I don't, I, I don't know if he's fully processed that dream he had. Okay. That's a mm. great point. I, I don't think he's realized after all these times where it's shoved into his face again and again, that all these things that are fantasal and like crazy are real, that that dream might've actually been real and a not vision. just like, you know, some sort of analogy or, you know, something. Cause he, he's always thought in his head, like, that dream was just an analogy. The dream I'm referring to, by the way, was this dream where his parents had been captured and tortured and were, I, I think, rescued by divine powers. And it was all tied to the Broken Rod Company. Um, and perhaps his parents, I believe that's supposed to be a flashback to what happened to his parents before Fox. Um, but either way, like his parents are in danger and he doesn't understand that and he has moved away from that narrative narratively right he's his headspace is not thinking about his parents i guarantee once he gets jeb i he's gonna start connecting the dots of like i gotta grab what little bit of my family i have left right although if you go back to hometown you might have to deal with zoth's parents and give them the bad news i exactly but i i I, I think he's not going to run away from that. I think he'd rather make sure that he has the few people in his life that are not going to leave him right now. He's lost a leg. He's lost uh, a father figure um, and and just Sage, I, I think is how he saw Jeb, was this like big influence in his life. The Uncle Iroh. The he Uncle did get Iroh. a leg as well. Like he, you know, he's back to two legs. He is back to two legs. Um, I, I, I still think... You know, I, I don't know how if he's going to get past that part yet. Mentally. Right. Um, I, I think one thing from the, the past few sessions that like I just think is worth shouting out. I feel like all around the group has done maybe their best role playing of the whole campaign so far in like the past three to five sessions of gameplay. I just am Post. like very impressed with everyone's portrayal of their characters and like the the way that we can both be serious and lighthearted and and like it it feels like kind of believable. Like the suspension of disbelief is really strong. And I think you guys, you both of you did great and so did our other two players. Um, you know, Rip, Jake and Wash, we fired them because we hired Trevor two more times, but